Yo, people always ask me what kind of frames I'm rocking. I've been rocking Caddis for a couple years. They make amazing progressive readers, which I wear. Also, they make sunglass readers, anti-glare, anti-smudge coating, anti-scratch, and anti-aging. That's why I look mad young when I wear them. I'm just kidding. Um, but they make amazing frames. Caddis, so stoked to have you guys part of the podcast. You can go to caddislife.com slash Toby10 and get $10 off your first purchase. Stoked. Thank you, Caddis. Welcome to the fam. Yo, yo, Liquid Death. Thank you so much for hydrating all my guests taking care of me and my family and my friends. Love your water. Love your brand. Love what you stand for. Love you give back to the community. If you want to learn more about Liquid Death and how it started, listen to episode 115 with the co-founder, owner, and creator of Liquid Death, Mike Cesario. Just a punk rock skateboarding kid from Delaware with a dream. It's an incredible story, incredible journey. They have now blessed me with my own code. So if you go liquiddeath.com slash Toby, you get free shipping on any items you order from liquiddeath.com. Thank you so much, Liquid Death. Death to plastic, murder your thirst, stay hydrated. You know H2O saves lives. Microphone check, microphone check. Welcome to the One Life One Chance podcast. I'm your host, Toby Morse. I have a very special guest in front of me. It's my first time actually doing a one-on-one in a while because Derek's on tour with Separate Tour right now. Um, but please welcome to the podcast, Wes Isold. I said it right. Thank you. Icehold. Thank you. It's, yeah. What is that last name anyway? What 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 is that? That last. What are you? It's very Kraut. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. I, just, I like that name though. Thank you. Um. Well, thanks for being here. Thanks for Stoked having to me. Have you? Yeah. I mean, we met many times in the past, probably through the scene and stuff like that. Um. Yeah. Seen you a bunch of times. Our bands probably played together at some point. Um. But it's great to have you. We we just. Connected a couple weeks ago, singing backups on the Lamb of God record. That was cool. Yeah, it was fun. It was very interesting because usually the gang vocals, it's like a bunch of people surrounding one microphone yelling, and we pretty much just yelled into the ceiling. We're all spread out. It was really interesting. Yeah, it was like a field recording of gang vocals. It was cool. You <laughs> yeah, know? it was cool. Yeah, <laughs> and it was so fast too. Yeah, and usually, you know, usually these things are just like you're just suffering through someone ruining it every every time. One person's off. Yeah, yeah. And then you have to this keep is pretty pro. It. Yeah. Um, and then we just talked about coffee for a second because people listen to the podcast. They know I, I quit this shit a year ago, and it was no problem. And then I just been on it for two days, and I just, it just really fucked my stomach up today. But then I, I read different things how coffee is really good for you. It's good for your brain. And we, and you drink, you came here with a coffee, iced coffee, right? Yeah, I I do think coffee is evil, and I <laughs> and I suffer with it. But um, it's just black coffee for you. Just black coffee, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I like the oat milk. I like stuff like that. I, my son drinks straight black like that. But there's got to be something good for it. I think it, because when you don't do it and you do a lot, you get headaches and shit like that. Yeah, so I have to monitor it, or otherwise I'm, you know, taking a leave at night or something. But you know, I was saying I, I wake up at four a.m. So I've already had a coffee. I'm I'm shot by noon. I've been up for eight hours, <laughs> so I just wanted to not be just a dead yeah. beat today. And why four a.m.? That's your sure schedule of life. It's just I just I go off and on of waking up early, but like I I like waking up at four because the city's quiet. Hmm. I like to write before you know my 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 son wakes up. Okay. So I have a window of four hours. I can sit in this little garden. There's no sirens. There's no trash trucks or gardeners yeah. or all this mayhem. It's just a few minutes of peace where you can actually be in Los Angeles and not hear anything. It's pretty amazing, man. And, you know, it's priceless. Yeah. Know? So you do a lot of writing. Yeah. I usually wake up and make a coffee and write from about four to eight every is day. That, is that just like lyrics or poetry? You write poetry, obviously. Yeah, know? right. So both, you know, the yeah. kind of just 
take different forms who knows what will turn into but just was, your thoughts or whatever kind of journaling in the sense or yeah i guess ultimately it's for poems or lyrics you know okay. and it's just building an arsenal i was just finishing a book um this morning so okay i was just rereading it and changing things and you know and how many books do you have out now i don't know i just a lot yeah yeah i looked at it was a lot of books yeah yeah so and like you know a lot of them are with other people it's not just my own thing yeah different projects and were you always into writing even as a kid i was i just had a traumatic childhood as a lot of people who end up in music did and yeah, um, yeah one of the earliest ways i was able to sort of communicate was through writing i didn't talk to people i still don't really it's talk very to therapeutic yeah you just weird notebook shit, fold it up, put in some box somewhere and, you know, yeah. burn it later. Yeah. So you started doing that like what, super, super young, like teenagers, teenager years? Oh, elementary school. Wow. Yeah. yeah. And were you, where were you born? Were you born in Massachusetts? No, I was born in Virginia Beach. Dang, yeah. I didn't know that. I'm a Navy brat. So. Wow, okay, so you moved around a bunch. Yeah, yeah. Wow, Virginia Beach. I love Virginia Beach. Yeah. Some good shows back there. Yeah, I mean, I, I was there elementary school primarily like first through fifth grade okay so you know i didn't have a real life there yeah you know so what's up push for and so where'd you go after that did you go to massachusetts after that no massachusetts is actually just a brief pit stop in my life okay yeah so after that i, I moved around a lot you know i went to like six different kindergartens and I, wow. like i mentioned i lived in newport for a bit that yeah, was like you know like a few months or something yeah yeah, yeah. um you know i moved to california i moved back to Virginia Beach, moved wow. to Pennsylvania. And you have siblings too? I have a younger sister, yeah. Okay. Yeah. She just moved all around. You really went one place at one time. So that's kind of hard to make friends, all that stuff, everything. The worst. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And just try even settling in or anything. So what's the longest place you lived as a kid? Oh my God. I was somewhere for a year and a half or two years. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's crazy life, man. Yeah. And so where were you in high school then? I started high school in Germany in Stuttgart. Jesus Christ. Yeah. So That's crazy. I didn't know that. Yeah. I went to ninth and 10th grade in Germany. And uh, wow. so that was cool. I was living in a European city. And, Sick. And, but then I moved to like a cornfield in Maine for 11th and 12th grade, Fuck, which was, man. you know, that was a brutal move. That sounds brutal. But I was so, by that point in my life, I was already so obsessed with like punk and hardcore yeah. that I was psyched to be within a, a couple hour drive of Boston. Yeah. So. So what was so you and your sister into the same music? Who like what was your first exposure to punk rock? What was that? Oh, I just I, I you know these things are so like definition dependent. Yeah, okay. You know, like uh, I guess were you a skateboarder? Yeah, yeah. Okay. So I grew up in Virginia Beach. Um, skateboarding was a thing there. Totally. You know, surfing there, all that. Surfing. There was you know I I got into that early. Um, there were skate parks around. I'd go watch people skate. Yeah. I was young, but I had like my first deck in elementary Sick. school. Do you remember your first deck? Well, it was like a Nash, you know what Sick. I mean? And, yeah, and I then like, I didn't get a real deck until it was probably in like sixth or seventh grade because like we couldn't afford it, you yeah. know? They were expensive back yeah. then, for sure. Even 50 bucks expensive, yeah. Yeah. I remember the Nash boards, wow. Yeah, um, like green Nash, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then what was your first, you know, your first official deck? It had to be like a Paul Proth or something or no? I had a borrowed, I had like, my friend gave me a broken, like Powell deck. Sick. And then, um, you know, if, and then probably not till like eighth or ninth grade, I got my first real deck I, and it was like the first plan B deck. And then, you know, awesome. had stuff after that. But when you like a street skater or like you, we just like cruising around. 
I was a street skater. Yeah, I wasn't very good. Yeah. But <laughs> but I did it daily, you know. Okay, yeah. my, my deck was in my locker, you know. It's awesome. Yeah. That becomes like your best friend growing up for me too. I was like very, um, I wasn't really hanging out with girls. I was just skateboarding. People made fun of me. So I was going to take my skateboard to the prom. That's all I cared about was skateboarding. Even oh, if yeah. I couldn't land a trick, it was just every day. I was just all about it. Yeah, girls were not an option. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, sk- yeah so that, uh, skateboarding pretty much, yeah, was like my best friend. Um, and such a gateway to life, you know. Everything. Yeah. And then back then, most of the videos were all like punk rock soundtracks anyway. Yeah. It all kind of went together, right? Yeah. So I guess if I had to say my first punk exposure was probably like a Dead Kennedys tape in fifth or sixth grade. Like someone Sick. let me borrow Give Me Convenience. And wow. That was that, you know? Yeah. And Dead Kennedys, man. I knew nothing about politics. I knew nothing about who Jerry Brown was, any of this stuff. And just their albums, their lyrics, everything was just so ahead of its time and still so relevant now. Still so relevant. It's yeah. crazy. Yeah. It's like they predicted the future. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, Dead Kenny is definitely Circle Jerks, all that stuff. Uh, Sex Pistols, the first kind of introduction, right? Yeah, gateway drugs. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then, so how were you in high school? In high school, I kept to myself. I skated. I was depressed and miserable because I moved all the time and had no friends. So Dude. music was like my friend. I spent a lot of time in the nurse's office faking like I was sick, laying on my back just to listen to music with headphones on. And wow, didn't go to class that much. Yeah. So you, you your grades were just shit. My grades were fine. Okay. I, I it, it was just it was bored and so long, bored, so. not yeah. into it. I just found it just so. So no sports, none of that shit. I played soccer a lot. Oh wow. Okay. Yeah, but I wasn't someone who was. Uh, I didn't have friends on the team but yeah. i played soccer my whole life you were total black sheep yeah well because i was born with one hand my parents got me into soccer when i was a kid and i you know i played actually up until college okay and uh quit to be in a band wow yeah but it was like what i did you know i played yeah. on, played on a team in germany i went to different european cities to play soccer and so you might have thought about that as a profession at one point you wanted to do it or not no okay. it was just something i could do and was good at but it wasn't it was music first and that just wasn't enough of a fulfill, fulfillment in life until yeah. it became one, you know? Yeah. So were you in any band, in any bands in high school? N- not real bands. In yeah. Germany, I had, a, you know, I lived on these small military bases. So it was just like, there was a guy in a biohazard shirt and a guy <laughs> in a Megadeth shirt and, you know? Yeah. So like whoever could play an instrument and it was just down to fuck around, you know, yeah. that's who. So we had you know, a few times with friends in Germany going to a practice space and just playing like Misfits and Sex Pistols covers and stuff like that. And then when I moved to Maine, I wasn't, uh, I tried doing a couple similar type bands that didn't happen. And really American Nightmare was the first First band I ever did. Yeah. Damn. And do you go to shows in Germany and stuff? Like, or no? I did. Like American Um, bands that came through, you saw them as well probably back then? Yeah. I saw saw Fugazi in Germany. I saw mostly like sort of Post hardcore indie shows like yeah, yeah, you know yeah. so like Lemonheads and you know bands like this. You it's know? cool. Yeah. So yeah. So yeah. So Maine, that's pretty close to Boston. It's not that bad. It's not that bad. <laughs> <laughs> I Maine. was born in Taunton, Mass. Yeah. Maine. It's not that bad. Right? <laughs> there you go. Um. So when you get to Maine, you start really going to more shows in Boston area. Start taking the road trips and stuff. Yeah. So I moved to Maine and it's probably '95 or something. <clears throat> Shortly after moving there, like the, the first show I went to see was Sheer Terror. And wow. then um, I got lucky because the town I was living in was a little north of Portland. 
and um there were some people who were still hanging around that town yeah who were involved with music and in bands and they uh this one guy with uh ian mcfarland who oh yeah yeah he lived in the town i lived in and awesome i found him quick thank god and he was in a band and you know he'd take me to shows and he was really active in bringing bands to portland so there was like a lot of rad shows due to him and the band he was in that's cool you know otherwise it was like nothing happened yeah we definitely played shows in maine but it definitely was not many times yeah (laughs) yeah i mean <clears throat> I there was a scene there though for sure there was yeah it probably Shots still cool is and they're from their main yeah. yeah for sure for sure and then yeah. uh and e mcfarland for the people listening he did the uh godfather's mm-hmm. a hardcore documentary which is incredible dude yeah yeah incredible amazing and um you know he was in a band there called polyglot that played a lot locally and then he joined Hatebreed for a little bit that's and right then, and then blood for blood yeah wow um okay so american nightmare <clears throat> so you're out of high school for that right i'm out of high school i'm and what's your what's your job like what are your <clears throat> goals at that point i'm fake going to college you know <laughs> what college i was living in portland going okay. to university of southern maine but okay. you know going i wasn't going anywhere yeah. you know i was sitting in my room playing video games and listening to music and did you have a major at all or anything you wanted to do there just nothing undeclared okay <laughs> <laughs> i'm not much of a subscriber to this day to like you know anything so okay. yeah you know. so you're just going to college and uh and then going to shows and stuff like that. And then American Nightmare, how's that, how's that start for you? So there was this guy that I started the band with. He was living in Maine and he uh, wasn't like a hardcore person. He was yeah. just, uh, you know, he was just like this guitarist. Yeah. And uh, this guy, Ian Larrabee. I know him too. Yeah, yeah. Got this dude to play in Tenure Fight because they needed a guitar player. And okay. this guy was a good guitar player. That didn't last long. Like yeah. a year or so, they broke up. We started a band. Yeah, you were like kind of a roadie for 10-yard fight, right? I was for a tour, so uh, a summer. It was fun. What was your actual job? You were actually roadie, just a friend that hung out with him? Mosher. Okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that was me too. I was sick of it all. I was yeah. a terrible roadie. I was always diving and shit, dancing. Yeah. Official title. Okay, yeah. that was yeah. <laughs> official mosher. Yeah. So, um, so it was, well, obviously it was give up the ghost first, correct? It was American Nightmare first. Okay, thank you. Okay, okay. Then sued, then give up the ghost. Ah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Why sue? Because it was another... Band. There was like this, uh, like just miserable bar rock band in Philadelphia called that. And, uh, wow. This band, you know, my, my American nightmare were mostly popular in Boston and Philly. Mm-hmm. And I think it just got to them, you know, it stressed them out that there was this presence with this other band. Like who are these kids? Actually playing shows. and not, yeah. yeah. So there's, I think the, from what I understand it, there was a guy in the band who was like some flunky at some shit law firm and <laughs> They just like got a free letter and it scared us as 21 year old kids. You know, now I'd be like, fuck off. But like, you know, damn. Yeah. So we got sued and, um, was it cease and desist or actually sued? So we didn't get sued. We got cease and desist. That's scary. It was scary, but then, you know, it became this problematic thing because again, we're dealing with like being young and shitty lawyers. And for some reason we had to, let them know as far as i remember what our new name was going to be so we tried variations of that name and they just kept shooting them down mm. which is not like real what was one of the variations well it was american nothing or just an and stuff mm. like that and you know okay so um give up the ghost is cool that's cool name too thanks that's cool <laughs> that was going to be like a record title and we were yeah, just, yeah, yeah. We had this list of names and they all kind of sucked and then you know it's hard to rebrand yourself you know yeah, totally. we were like on fire at the time so. so how'd you get your name back like how long did that last you have to have a different name when the band got back together and started playing shows again, I just looked up to see if 
the other one still existed it yeah. expired it took a few years to do all this paperwork and legalities and it eventually passed yeah you know because that's true like if you have a trademark it only lasts a certain amount of years for different things right Sometimes yeah so you have to keep up on it yeah you know somebody can just come in and take it if it just expires like even two days or something yeah and then you have to buy it back from them and it's, it's mm. a headache it's a scam it's all a scam yeah. life <laughs> is a scam that's another scam it's just a scam um so was that 1998 right for American Nightmare? We started in 99. I think played okay. our first show early 2000. Yeah. yeah. 98, yeah. I was probably on, I was on tour with Tina and Fight then. Okay. Yeah. I watched some videos. Dan Smith, shout out to Dan Smith, sent me some videos of you guys at different festivals, different shows. And I definitely seen you guys before, but it's just recapping this week, watching like ama- amazing energy, amazing front man. And just, yeah, just the energy was awesome. What, what was like a, what's a major inspiration for American Nightmare sound wise or <clears> music wise? <throat> Well, sound-wise, we were definitely, you know, it was still of Boston hardcore. Yeah, so, course, you yeah. know, we're, we're coming out after these bands like Tenure Fight and In My Eyes, but we're also, you know, what was popular there was just sort of like positive, like yeah. r- revival, youth career, straight-edge straight hardcore. But we were of that. It was really clicky, you know? Yeah. So like, but we were also friends with like Blood for Blood and yeah. uh, people and other sort of band, like, you know, skinhead bands and yeah. stuff like that so we didn't want to be just like a straight edge band to- totally. from austin so which was actually hard to believe controversial at the time for in our clicky yeah shit minuscule world you know yeah so i don't know you know i was definitely into still referencing bands i grew up on like yeah black flag and negative approach and but also we liked um you know, the Smiths. And, yeah. You know, other influences for yeah. sure. You can see that and hear that. And just lyrically way different than the other bands were sounding, even singing about, you know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, I think like I mentioned, it, it seemed different at the time, but I was the first show I saw when I got back to the States was sheer terror and then blood for blood. And, yeah. you know, I liked these sort of like, I, I, I related to these people's lyrics, Yeah, yeah, yeah. you know? And so it wasn't, you yeah, know, that far from that, it just played to more like faster hardcore wasn't really happening, so it seemed more different. Yeah, but yeah, I mean, I mean, American Nightmare. Did, did you guys? It's I, I just remember American Nightmare being like a massive band, like it just really just blew up. Like it blew up fast. It was fast. Yeah. 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 It went from nothing to six months later. You know, we were touring and headlining shows, and yeah, you know, crazy. a couple hundred people would show up, and you just went from there. You know, yeah. And then Br- Bridge Nine put up about a bunch of the EPs out and stuff at first. Yeah, Chris was yeah. What, my roommate. That's he was uh, telling me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, it, that was that was a fun time. And you know, he, he told me he told me a story the other day. But you guys, I could take it off if you don't like. But you guys dressed up like sailors because it was like this sailor thing. Like it was a tall ship parade, and you guys were not, <laughs> not dressed as sailors. Yeah, and going to nightclubs and shit, they just like vibing. Like everybody was dressed like that. You guys just said, "Fuck, we're gonna dress like that and go out and fucking." We were just, <laughs> you know, no cares in the world. I, know, I love that out to destroy and fuck things up. And then yeah, so we, <laughs> yeah, every year in Boston, always sailors come into port and dress yeah. up, and they tall go ships out, or something. Tall ships, they try to go get laid, and like you know, that's a thing. And then we show up with these bootleg like surplus store <laughs> sailor costumes and all of a sudden you know girls are talking to us and then the sailor was getting pissed off we had to split fast wow yeah Yeah. that's like a real thing that's crazy yeah yeah Um, yeah it was you know (laughs) chris was fun to live with he had a lot he hustled you know he did man yeah you guys would sell the uh yankee suck shirts and shit like that (laughs) i did that i was the bat holder so i heard about that too yeah yeah wow man 
Because it gets yeah. crazy out there selling like all that stuff, man, for sure. Yeah, you know, like pre-surveillance uh, life, you know, <laughs> yeah, it was like, totally. you know. And everybody on their phones, all that stuff, yeah. Yeah, so it was got gnarly a few times. I think yeah. about that sometimes. Like, imagine if we had phones back then, like in that those times in New York, Boston, all that, like crazy. It's scary, man. Yeah, it was weird. I was, I was remembering, actually, this show you guys played in Roxbury um, at some community center in, yeah. in Mission Hill. And there was a skirmish after the show. Yeah, somebody said that something about this the other day to me. So with I, my wife. Yeah, yes. and then like this dude and who security. ran the place, the security, like local, like ex-prison, like Roxbury dudes. Okay. Um, like pushed a friend of mine, and I made the mistake of punching this guy in the mouth. Wow. And it didn't work. <laughs> it didn't fit, didn't phase him at all. No, like that was the same show. Yeah. Wow. Dude. Then after that show, so after that happened, you know, we squared off, and I was like, "This is gonna end bad." Fuck. He just decided I'm not gonna fuck with this. Just went to his car, got a gun out of his glove compartment, put it in his fanny pack, and came back for me. Holy shit! And I ran down the street out. Saw a car with two punk kids in it. Said, "Open the fucking door. Let me in." This guy's chasing me. Jumped in the car and they drove me up Calumet to where I lived and just hid. So the thing my wife might have happened after that because there's something about the merch and the tables at the end of the show or something. That's where know. it was. Okay, yeah, yeah. Because somebody randomly texted me today, said, "Hey, I'm with a friend. I'm with somebody that knows you. They protected you. They they had your wife's back at the Boston show. This was like two days ago." That's crazy. That's well, I'm crazy. the guy who punched the guy in the face. Okay, thank the guy that was fucking with my wife. Yeah, because it, it spilled from that to to like someone being like, "What are you doing?" Oh my god! And then it came to like people I knew, and I was just like, "Fuck this guy." Dude, thank you, man. I never knew that was you. That's that was me. Crazy. Yeah, yeah. Came to tell Moon. Holy shit! Yeah. Wow. So bro. that was like '98, probably. Yeah. Maybe maybe '99. So you were a scrapper. I heard you like a little. You were a scrapper too. Yeah, well, I'm not proud of it. <laughs> no, I'm not but, saying, yeah. But, um, I, got, I got silly too I just, when I was, yeah. What's that, man? I got silly too when I was younger and living in New York and all that Yeah, too. it's just easy. The people I was around too, though. Yeah. Because you don't seem like a violent person or like a person No, that, I'm not. And I wasn't either, but I moved to New York and I was around all these people who grew up in New York and they took me under their wings and I was like the new kid from out of town. Yeah. And I was like the sensitive, sensitive posse kid and I came met all these older peers. I think it's the curse of being oversensitive, actually. And then you, you develop such a carelessness because you care so much that when someone tries you you just snap yeah. you know max he did west has told a story that a long time ago your mom had some beef in boston at, at the end of the show and the bouncer got punched in the face and it was him who punched the bouncer in the face for right. mama yeah it's crazy nice tan um it was amazing <laughs> that's fucking cool man i didn't know i did that was you yeah there was some great shows at those spots those that DIY show was spots. amazing yeah those diy spots in boston were awesome yeah all the church shows and even just, the rat too yeah i mean the amount of people who would show up for those shows is unreal you know it took us a long time to get love in boston because the new york boston thing that was from generations before us and just going to the Boston and playing these shows. I remember Dropkicks opened up for us at the Rat. Yeah. And just crowd staring at us. Because we, we were more melodic and stuff. But it took a while to really get it in Boston. But once we got it, it was great. Yeah. Because I, I always saw you play great shows there. I remember seeing H2O at, um, at Lupo's. Ooh, in Lupo's. probably like 96 or something. Maybe 95 even. Mm. It was a good, It was early. Yeah, yeah, yeah. At like a Super Bowl. Like AF, 
headline. Where I remember I, that right one. when they came back. I was that was like, a great show. That was a great show. Yeah. But originally going out there just on our own, it was just like sure. It's crazy. And I, I remember even playing there with drop kicks and the whole crowd chanting "fuck the Yankees." At, at age twelve, I was like, I don't even like sports. Like what's up? <laughs> that whole New York fucking the Boston thing. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's like you know people just needed something to be mad about. So, yeah. You know. Were you were you like a you were like were you like a mad kid too? Like were you like an angry kid once you got into the scene, or was that more? When you were younger, when you got into the scene, you were you more like, I don't know, blo- I don't know, blossomed to something. I was for sure angry as a result of the sadness, essentially. But then, um, you know, I think just let out into the world. I didn't through music. You could actually through music, but I also didn't care. Like I, you know, I didn't care about consequence or if I yeah died. I, it was just like I'm Damn. going for it, you know? And then I think that's the energy that sort of translated into American Nightmare and why yeah. I was just like you know, I hardly sang live. I was just freaking out, you know. Yeah. But um That's super therapeutic, man, just thinking about that. Like just yeah, it you saves growing you. up and you're getting it out through music. Yeah. Have you ever went to therapy? I've not successfully. Me either. I've never been. I feel yeah. like I need it too. I'd never been. I was like, Oh, oh write, by write, then, no way. Yeah. Yeah. I was yeah. like, I write songs about stuff that I've been through. That's my therapy. But I'm always like, hey, you, should, you should talk to somebody. Um, but anyway, I think like, yeah, exactly. And then, <laughs> you know, but I think violence, like back then, was just a result of having nowhere to channel frustration. For sure. So it's just like, it's just, it's pathetic, essentially, you know, and you're just yeah. freaking out and you got to get it out. And then, you know, uh, it was like always with some, uh, yeah, I've been, att- you know, you, when you're a kid and you're attacked by bullies your whole life. And then once you, once you succumb that, when people test you, you know, it's like, yeah, for, yeah, 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 I yeah. feel you, man. And that's all it was in the last while. And then I think once American nightmare came around, I had somewhere to channel that. You know? Yeah. And you also had a, a group of friends who like had your back. They were your family. It's like, it's hard was seen such a, amazing place you know what I yeah mean? yeah and you can just be yourself and fucking express yourself and i don't know you also get for me in new york they had like that tough ball break in love where they can they can make funny but nobody else can like you're their boy and they can oh give for that sure tough love and yeah that tough skin yeah it was like that um yeah fuck bullies that makes me sad i, I can't i'm just thinking about you you growing up and yeah that's fucking yeah so you know that's fuck. psychologically where i'm coming from yeah know? for yeah. sure yeah and that's something that even no matter how old you get it's still because I know a lot of people that have been through that shit growing up. It's yeah. still with you, even no matter how much you get it out or talk to somebody. But I don't know. I feel like people love and appreciate your honesty, especially lyrics. People saying you're prolific with your lyrics and your poetry. And people had so much respect for just the way your band sounded, but also the lyrics were way deeper. Do you know what I'm saying? They're yeah. Just, just like, like we're straight edge. We're youth crew. We're posy. Like all that stuff. Which is like, cool. It's so yeah, cool. Yeah. Yeah. And it has its place. Yeah. I think for me, the, the times I felt happiness is when I'm searching for that strange, obscure sort of divinity that you can find when you write something that's so meaningful to you and, ex- and it explains exactly how you feel without, yeah. with, without the uh, monotony of having to talk in conversation. You're able to write down this otherworldly sort of, um, deep-rooted sick emotion when that when you yeah. f- when you find that it's so rewarding and fulfilling that it's, it's almost like a high that you keep striving for for the rest of your life that's mm-hmm. why i'm writing it from 40 4 to 8 a.m daily today yeah when i get that it's i don't care about anything else in the world it's like a junkie you know yeah. it's like when you when you get that fix when you're successful when you struggle with talking your whole life and you're able to enunciate exactly how you feel that's worth it. You know? Yeah, it's beautiful, man. Yeah. Just to be able to, do, be able to do that and know that that's 
that saved you in a sense as far as who knows what direction your life could have went if you didn't find music or hardcore or all that stuff, you know? Just to get it out, you know? Yeah, I mean, I don't know about y- you. It's probably the same, but I never considered anything else. It was just like, yeah. that's what I'm into. It's all I'm focused on. It's the only thing that can even retain my attention for a second, you know? <laughs> yeah, like, totally. You know, it's like... So, were, you, were you ever just like just a hardcore kid that's all I listen to? And not open-minded to other things? It seems like you open-minded to other types no, of music early pretty, on. No, it's pretty... You know, my trajectory of getting into music was a, a strange path. I, you know, I, I like the first shows I ever saw were... Like indie bands, basically. Okay, yeah, yeah, like yeah. the first show I ever went to was it was a weird build, but it was like the Dead Milkman headlined. Dead Milkman, totally. And then uh, this like Boston sort of indie band called the Swirlies, and this uh, Pennsylvania band called the Lilies played. And you know, it, strange, but Swirlies were on Tang Records. Tang, yeah. And I had, I knew about major punk hardcore bands, but I actually got deeper into it through this that label finding out about like SSD and Slapshot and stuff like this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, it was like, it's weird trajectory. So I never, prior to that, my favorite bands were like The Cure and Smiths growing up. I got, that was like my first turn on. It's awesome. Super young. So yeah, um, I kind of went that route. And then as I found more hardcore, it just sort of fit how I was feeling as a teen yeah. in terms of being pissed. And, you know, but I still always had this sort of uh, affinity for, this other music yeah so we ever like a metal kid or into metal or hip-hop i I, both of those i liked certain things about but it was never like my thing they were connected to yeah yeah i mean i I went yeah i was never like a metal head or just fully into hip-hop yeah you know um so fuck man so was your first time going to europe with american nightmare it's your first time leaving the country and stuff? Tour? No, well, I went to, I lived. Oh, you lived, I'm sorry, as, as, as with music though. Music, yeah, yeah. 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 What year was that? Was that, was that late 90s or two, early 2000s? Probably late 2000, maybe early 2001 we first went. Yeah. Yeah. It's magical going to Europe for the first time. It's it's, it's a dream. I know, It's man. a dream, you know? Nothing else matters. You don't care that you're sleeping on like, <laughs> no, you don't care you're sleeping in some weird like World War II bunker, you know? know squats with yeah. like catering. I, I kind of miss that right now, actually. Yeah, I would kill, like I, would, I just would kill to be backstage right now somewhere in Europe, waiting 10 hours to play, eating a bunch of catering and a fucking, I don't know, just stuff, yeah. that, stuff that you can complain about sometimes. It's like, especially now for the yeah, past sure. two years, it's like, fuck, I wish I could be there right now. Yeah, it's strange. I feel... Like I've forgotten how to do a bunch of that those stuff. You know, I'm trying. I have some shows coming up, and I'm trying to even remember how to play. It's just mm-hmm. you know, it's weird, and it's so weird when you when you were on tour with American Nightmare. Did you have a job in between? You was straight up just playing music. No, I would do weird scams. You know, and like, <laughs> not you know, just like weird like side hustles. Okay, you know, you know. yeah, so, but not not like a real job. Somewhere you're going back to just like I had a couple brief funny real jobs like uh my friend jesse who was saying for right brigade him and i were hired to work at victoria's secret in the in the <laughs> soccer room at this mall in boston uh randomly through a mutual friend and wow we did that for a few months and that mostly consisted of just hiding and like laundry and sleeping in the back and just you know <laughs> then going on tour and quitting you know it's like jobs like that you know yes and then i, I sold t-shirts and stuff at finway or got paid just to be like security there basically and then yeah. you know um but no, real jobs, no. There was cool stuff then. Like you could do like a two-week training period at a telemarketing place knowing that you're going to bail in two weeks, but you get totally. paid for it. So. Telemarketing, that was a shit back then. Yeah, yeah. So what was the last real job you had before music really became your life, you think? Gosh, um, I don't know. Maybe one of those jobs. Yeah, maybe one of those. I've, I've been pretty... It's pretty awesome. Yeah, I mean, I had a couple 
things like that early 2000s and then otherwise it's just been full-on music and those were all you know brief a few months here and yeah. there just to pay rent while in between but once american Ivory kicked off you guys started you like this is all i want to do is this music this is it this is yeah it. yeah 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 it's like weird because growing up you know people are always asking you what you want to do and i never had an answer i think i was secretly knew that was it but just never wanted to have someone tell me you couldn't do that which i guess i imagine that's what would happen you yeah. know and then why and then why singing you think did you play instruments before that not really because mm. I, i'm limited you know i yeah, yeah. I, I believed i was anyway and so you know my parents were really supportive of me learning instruments and they tried but to not much avail you know i think yeah. uh I had a couple of piano lessons and when it came time to play like the left-handed bass notes, there was like, well, we're done, you know? And then same thing with guitar, you know, I, I picked up guitar and loved the sound of it, but it was sort of, you know, stuck with single string sort of yeah. noisy, nothing. And then, um, you know, and then singing came natural cause I'd been writing and yeah. I, you know, were your parents super supportive? of starting American Nightmare not not necessarily no mm. no they were worried you know and then um, they came to see you play no no ever no fuck well my mom saw me play finally with American Nightmare in like four or five years ago like yeah went, okay and cried okay you know she, oh man like like worried for me you know worried yeah not tears what? not not tears of joy, joy. you know <laughs> yeah no what no. were they scared of that music or something or <clears throat> though it, you know she just didn't like what i was saying mm. <clears throat> it made her feel sad as a parent ah. that i was having i have had these thoughts in my life you know yeah um <clears throat> as yeah. a parent do you get that now for sure yeah yeah, yeah. me too yeah. i thought about that but it is a productive ultimately you know and yeah but i i understand it you don't want your kid sitting up there yelling about this stuff so yeah um damn my dad is a bit was a bit more sympathetic to it he um he i have a weird literary family background you know okay my great uncle wrote children's books okay and then my dad wanted to just his goal was to just drive around on a motorcycle and uh write poems and like play tennis that's what he was into so that's, nice. that's a good life you know he's like yeah and uh yeah then they found out they were having me he went and joined the navy okay immediately came home and told my mother that he had just joined the navy and um a few years ago he gave me <clears throat> for my birthday a stack of poems from the, the 60s and 70s that he wrote wow man which i thought maybe existed but he had never shared them with me and they're fucking incredible you know like that's where like, it comes from for sure that's so cool. you know and his, you know his parents were teachers and um yeah the poem's really cool they're about you know just like early being a sailor for the first time yeah you yeah, know? yeah so he was a bit more sympathetic knew what i was going for and they'll come see cold k play like yeah they've flown to europe before to see me and nice. you know and, you think they read your lyrics yeah. or read your lyrics yeah Wow. yeah 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 it's pretty amazing man yeah to get to just to have that support system and also i'm sure like having having it like raising you and you knowing the shit mm -hmm. you went through did you talk to them growing up about how shit happens of course not kids don't do that back no then. no i mean it i want our, i want our kids i mean not my kids 19 now but yeah i want that too it's like i want them to be able to say anything you know i know. I, I also feel it's a generational thing because i remember i don't know if you went through this but I remember trying to communicate what I was going through and just kind of bombing and didn't be like, okay. I can't. It was hard for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I'm because, a lot older than you, but yeah, back then I do remember trying to, 
Well, I mean, for me, I just said, my thing was my dad dying at three, then my mom raising three boys, and then I had that crazy, yeah, um, probably sadness and denial, and mm-hmm. uh, not really having any sort of because uh, we didn't go to the funeral with any of that stuff. So, wow, right. so you know what I mean? So that closure, yeah. So I definitely have dad issues, and then becoming a dad, being so emotional, yeah, and dealing with all that shit. And uh, did you ever think you'd be a dad? Not really, man. Yeah, I never. I I would see children on the street and like repel and disgust, <laughs> you know. Or like I, yeah. I used to feel nauseous seeing like a two parents and the children looked like them. I'd be like, it's fuck, I hate life. It's so you know, it's disgusting. Damn. Yeah. But yeah, now I'm like, you know, it's yeah. Now your dad so fulfilling. Yeah. How old is your son? Six. It's amazing, bro. Yeah. It's so it's such a life changing, right? Yeah, changing. Just save, emotion, saving, just how you see the yeah. world. Yeah, all yeah, that. yeah, yeah. And then the the scariest part for me is how time changes. You know, how fast it goes by. Yeah, because you just to linger on with nothing going on, and it's like I don't even know how I used to spend my time, and now all of a sudden, six years have flown by in a flash, and I'm sure. Yes, yeah, so we don't have kids. It seems like it goes by slower, right? Then you have kids, yeah. and then as you get older, and your kids go. I see like. Not to be morbid, but I see my end game. Like, I'm going to yeah. be 52. Yep. And it's like, this kid's 19. I'm like, fuck, man. I'm not going to be here forever to be with him or wa- wherever I go, up or down, whatever that is. That's a whole other story. If I'm going to be watching over or seeing him after, you know, it's like, yeah, you know, it's fucking depressing sometimes. Yeah. It is. It's, it's, it's both. I think it's the double edged sword. It's depressing. It's also such a gift, you know. I know. And then bullying that we were just talking about is that it happened to my son where. Yeah, Somebody bullied him in school and he didn't want us to call the teacher or call. He was honest about yeah. what happened. But if we call the school, he's a snitch and then they'll really get him. Yep. So that that's the thing that's stressful as a parent because then you finally have the open communication that you may have not had when you were a kid. But then they tell you stuff and you can't do shit about it because you're actually going to get them. They're going to get hurt worse. That's fu- It's fucked up. Um, I don't know how I would handle that. I know. Like, know? I wanted to go to school. My wife wanted to go to school. He said, no. Like somebody ripped off his chain and stole his chain. His first chain he bought off of fucking Amazon. It was like right. a gold chain. And like, <clears throat> it was so sad. He called me from school. He's going to be mad. I'm like, I'm not mad. I'm, I'm going to feel bad for you. Like, yeah, of but course. I can't do anything about yeah. it. And then kids getting not only bullied at school, is they're getting bullied on their phones 24 hours. It, they don't escape it. You, before you can go home to your parents and go in your room, right? And like hide from it. But nobody was posting or dming or judging yeah all yeah, that. yeah i mean it's That's too much scary for our kids yeah i bet i bet i mean he's out of school now but like he's still on social media you know but like in school and stuff just learning all that stuff and having to like not trying to freak out and be overprotective and be supportive at the same time you know yeah it's I scary think trying to go backwards and get rid of like phone i just think that's not where the magic happens you know <laughs> yeah, yeah it's not you know i know and our kids that's at least that's all <clears throat> this generation knows is social media and on the phones yeah it's like get off the get off these things go make something go, go make it then you can share it via there yeah it's not where it's made. Well, go outside you know what i mean lucky he surfs and he skates he didn't play video games he's always out being active and stuff but i don't know is your kid gonna be homeschooled or go to school yeah he doesn't go to school okay so um I think the, if there's a method that we're doing, it's called unschooling, which is where okay. you just don't do anything, you know? Okay. And we haven't done that so far. It's pretty miraculous. He can read and write and we haven't taught him how to do any of this stuff. He just starts doing it. I don't know. Wow. You know, just from watching movies or reading books or like putting stuff together and they just start doing it. That's incredible. Yeah. So, so there's no curriculum. There's like no things you do every there's morning. There's no curriculum. No, wow. he wakes up when he wants. 
when he wants breakfast, but it could be eight, it could be 11, whatever, just does his thing, you know, like I go to bed, he stays up watching movies, like a reading or drawing or whatever. And, you know, that's insane. That's also yeah. a lot of people do that. That's like a thing. It's, I think it's a, I think it's a thing. I think around maybe in LA, it's okay. a little more popular than other places, oh, yeah. you know, LA is different for, yeah. Yeah. And then you, you, you yeah. Wow. Man, yeah. That's cool. Well, there's only three. I think there's only three states in the country where you're allowed to not do anything. And I think it's, it's California, I believe New York. And I want to say somewhere random like Kansas or something where you don't have to, you have to file that you're, you have to register with the state that you're a fake school, give it like some bullshit name and then they stamp it and like, you're good, you know? So you used to have conversations, talk about life, all that stuff. Do he has questions to talk about it? Yeah. Yeah. We hang out. I mean, he goes everywhere with us, you know? Yeah. So that's a beautiful thing. Like having one kid, like not saying, I, I mean, yeah. I wish you didn't have a second one, but like you better travel and they adapt to your life. It's like, yeah. people think, I'm going to be, I'm going to be a parent. My life's going to be over. No, it's not going to be because your, your kid's going to adapt to your life. You know, we got to take my son on tour and stuff. And exactly. Yeah. See the world. Did he start, did you just start bringing him right away? Yeah. When yeah, he was like old enough to travel to Japan when he was like fucking maybe two years old. Yeah. Same with us. Yeah. It's be- It's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I feel like for my son growing up in the world, that's more experience that he would get just from school and books, you know, it's like just seeing the different cultures and stuff. Yep. And lucky to do that as well. You know, we're lucky yeah, to do that. Definitely. So he's been around tour with you everywhere and stuff, travels. Everywhere. Since, since we started playing shows again, like six months, he started coming with us, you know? Wow. So, you know, he's been to Russia a few times, China, Japan, like, you know, all over the world. And you he's know? only six. That's amazing. Dude. He's six. Yeah. So it's weird now because since everything was shut down, you know, he's used to traveling. So from yeah. basically four to six, he's been, what, this is boring. Let's yeah. go. You know? <laughs> that was my son. He'd been to Japan <clears throat> twice before he was nine. Right. Went to it's Russia, did the overnight train. Yeah. That was so sick. Yeah. It's so cool. We can do that. It also changes the dynamic of traveling and, you know, and your, your, your crew and everyone is just sort of, it's just, it, yeah. it's this weird peace offering to the stress where you know everyone can just sort of be mellow yeah you know you know something fucked up i, I might take up the pop but i have to tell you is that my wife changed my son's age at one point so he could fly for free still. love it yep <laughs> that's fucked up how, how with because you don't have to provide anything really right i think you did back then or something right know, just man. like a piece of paper i'm sorry to all the airlines but it was something my wife did i didn't do it I, i'm not saying i support it um all right, so American Nightmare. So I get it. Yeah. everything's going awesome. You guys mm-hmm. are killing it, and then you guys end in two thousand four. Yeah, and that yeah. was just a decision, mm-hmm. like just to go try something different, or was it? I was. We were on tour. Um, you know, I was burnt out. Sure, you guys are grinding, dude, nonstop. Right? Yeah, yeah, just fully. You know, yeah. yeah. I met Dan shortly before that in Australia, actually, before he moved here and got tattooed by him there. He was. He was. You one of the first people he told me he t- tattooed. Yeah, people. Yeah, yeah it was, it's he cool. Was, he was like immediately hit it off you know yeah. kindred spirits and totally rad hanging with him in australia he worked in this cool shop run my old bikers it was it was yeah, rad you know yeah. um and uh yeah i was just getting tattooed all the time then so um then uh shortly after that just burn out like i'd yeah. heard new music that they had written and i wasn't really into it at the time and um i just couldn't imagine i was playing another band already in california and what was uh, that band it's called some girls oh yeah some girls yeah some others i know i don't know if that was happening before um yeah they overlapped okay. so okay they overlapped <clears throat> yeah and i had already moved 2002 up. some girls right yeah so okay, i yeah i came home 2004 probably it could have even been after that australia and japan tour i came home passed out from jet lag woke up the next morning to uh landlord and police knocking on the door evicting us 
and I just was like, okay, and packed my stuff and flew to San Diego and moved there that day. Wow. Yeah. Just straight to San Diego? Yeah, well, that's where I was in a band. Okay, yeah, You know, yeah. and then wow, uh, just, so the band, Give the Ghost, American Nightmare, still existed, but I had left town already. And then yeah. we did a couple more. We did, no, I think that was it. We did some shows, wasn't really into it. We were about to fly to Europe for like this whole tour. It was just like the eighth tour of the year or something like that. Wow. And then just like, I'm not going, you know. I'm, I'm done. I'm fried. Yeah. 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 I think that's important to even be able to say that and, and still, mm-hmm. still keep your friendships and all that. Like, hey, I, my head, my head's not in it. My heart's not in it. I don't want to fake it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Just like, I'm yeah, not, it's difficult. And especially your friends. Like, your, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I just went. Uh, and then some girls, you start playing shows. I did. I took some time off. I went, my, my parents were living outside of DC and I went and just like hung out there for a summer. I was, I just was so fried, you know, yeah. from tour and just like trying to regroup and figure out what to do. Eventually went back to San Diego and wanted to do that band and never really, never really like did it for me, you know? Yeah. There was a gap between you guys starting and putting out the first record though, right? Heaven's Pregnant Teens. That was like 2006. Yeah. We'd done some seven inches. Yeah. And, yeah. Yeah. And then, yeah, so uh, you do a lot of seven inches, man. I noticed yeah. that about all your bands you're in. And yeah, EPs. yeah. It's cool though. I like it. I like 45s, you know? <laughs> yeah. It's cool. Um, and then I don't know if you want to talk. I mean, I just did crazy deep dive, but like, I, I didn't realize. If you can't talk about it, you probably might. But, but I didn't realize that you had wrote some songs and then somehow Fall Out Boy had used some of the riffs or something like that. I mean, that, it all got worked out. You got credit for a bunch of, couple different things and they, they credited you and that's pretty cool. Yeah, it was, <laughs> it was, it was weird how it went down. That's like, have we the, talked uh, about that before on a podcast? Um, like a little bit. It's like I don't know if uh, can't talk about it. It's like it. yeah. I mean, there was definitely a a sign thing. Says okay. Don't well, talk well about anyway, this. it's on yeah. the internet. You can look it up, people. Yeah. But you got credit for some riffs or something that they end up having, and yeah, it I happens. Did, it happened to a bunch of bench. I know. And they yeah, you know. For it. I didn't. Uh, Were you friends with them at the time or not? No. Okay. 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 No. No. I I didn't know them at all. I mean, I, I guess in retrospect, I remembered a couple of them from like being in Chicago shows, but uh, yeah. yeah. But no, I didn't have to work for a long it's time. It's definitely fla- oh shit. Yeah, yeah. It's definitely fl- flattering that happens as long as you're credited, or if it's a misunderstanding, whatever it was. But at least you got the credit. That's great. That's happened to several of my friends and several bands that people listening heard of. That's happened. Oh, I got the okay. I'll give you money or I'll give you this credit, and it works out. That's the way it should be. Yeah. Because you can get inspired by all kinds of things and use different. Not, like not everything's original, and people get inspired by. But sometimes when it's a, a blatant, then you know, they pay the piper. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So you were chilling after that. That's cool. I, you yeah, know, you know, that's cool. I, yeah. All right. We're, we're going to keep going. <laughs> that's good. I mean, I, I didn't know that's really fucking it's a crazy world. man. I'll tell you about it off the record. Yeah. 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 <clears throat> I can take it off the pot if you want, but I, I don't know. I don't know if you want to talk about it, but it's on the internet guys. So you can Google that. Um, all right. So cold cave that's 2007. Yeah. So yeah. I, I moved, I left San Diego, went back to moved to Richmond, Virginia. Richmond, Virginia. Okay. Yeah, I was thinking about was thinking about going to school. You know, it was one of those weird tour traps. When you're on tour, you have a good time in these towns, and you move there, and it's like there's nothing happening. I know when you visit places. Yeah. So that <laughs> happened to me, but there was a school I was going to go to. I got into it. I don't know why. My parents were in, like outside of DC, and just thought it might be close, good to be close to family. Yeah. Didn't like school. Lasted like six months there, and moved to Philly. So what were we going to major in in Virginia? Like? I was going to concentrate on writing. I was writing okay. all the time. I thought I wanted some formatted discipline to write and okay. uh, wasn't into it okay yeah how old were you then oh god 25 okay. maybe 24 25 okay yeah were you thinking that music might not mm. be you just want to want to focus on writing that's why you did that try something different or was that just part of yeah i think lyrics and everything else 
I think I was I was definitely open to the idea of just writing and not uh, playing, playing music, music at yeah. the time. Yeah, you get so burnt on tour. People think it's like this amazing thing, which it is. But like the sacrifices, like. For relationships, friendships, everything, man. It's crazy. Yeah, man. I mean, to this day, I sleep in bed as if I'm sleeping on a van bench. You know, <laughs> no. I have like, I have like, or I have like, you know, I'm huddling a pillow as if, uh, you know, my head's crooked against a wall, you know. Damn. I just got, you know. You guys been in the bus before on tour though, right? Yeah. That's yeah. such a life Well, not American though. Nightmare, Cold Cave. Okay. Yeah. It's a life changer though. Oh yeah, it's a luxury. Yeah. And, the, and the bunk and shit, that's that sleep, that deep sleep. It's, when you well, get to graduate the, to that, we do the thing with Cold Cave where uh, we have like the bedroom bus. So it's just like mm. my my wife and our child in the back. Dude. So it's like, you know, you're in an apartment for a month. You know, you have your like own very ba- back lounge, right? Or something. Your own shower, own bathroom, you know. Dude. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. It's, like, um, it's fun. So Cold Cave, would you say the vibe um, a Cold Cave? People would say it's like New Order, um, Nitzareb, Morrissey vibe. Is that. I'm quoting somebody saying that. Yeah. About- yeah. That's like basically right. I mean, you know, I started it. I just decided I didn't want to be in a band okay. and I didn't want to have to like wait for someone else to Tell write. anybody else. I like yeah, that. Yeah. Like they, I, I, cause I wasn't, I didn't know how to make music. So I just wait for someone to give me a song and hoped I liked it. And sometimes yeah. I didn't like it, but I still had to sing to it. Mm-hmm. And I didn't really have much of a input on what the bands would sound like. Yeah. It was weird because I, when I was doing some girls, <clears throat> basically after Ann had broke up, it was for sure not what I was listening to or what, I probably would have made musically as an next band. It just yeah. happened to be a band I was in. And so I went with it, but yeah, cold cave. I just wanted to be mine. I didn't want to share it. I didn't want to be reliant on anyone. How did that, how, how'd that feel? It feels good, right? It felt good. I just didn't care <laughs> about anything. Cause I was just like, I'm going to make this music. I'm concentrating on writing. I'm just going to do this for fun to fulfill something within me just to see if I could do it. And it just sort of blossomed into its own thing. You know? Yeah. I wasn't planning on starting a band. I was done. Yeah. Yeah. Were people during <clears throat> during that time were people still asking about American Nightmare to like come do the show or do a reunion, do all this stuff with it? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And like, yeah, we would get like, I'd get hit up, but it was just like, <laughs> yeah. you know, we weren't really, the band, people from that band, we weren't really talking much at the time, okay. you know, and it was just, yeah. Yeah. It just wasn't where I was at. But know? it seems like the American Nightmare fans followed you to your other projects. They did. I think there was a deeper awesome. connection to this day with a lot of people who, related to the band you know yeah. and we, we sort of aged together and um <clears throat> i would say it's your lyri- lyrics and everything you, you, you talk about you know what I, mean? I think people relate to that relate to you yeah well it basically doesn't matter the sound it's just the message what you're exactly talking about. the sound is almost uh irrelevant it's yeah the, the, the idea is still the same yeah you know? so cold okay, really that that's mm. that's been going since 2007 right yeah about then yeah wow. i just started putting out my own records and i didn't put my name on them because I, I there was you know, there was a stigma then that if you're this guy from a hardcore band, you shouldn't be doing this rock band or electronic band or whatever. Cause it's so it, whack. Cause no matter what you did, it was going to be a hardcore band. Dude. Like you, how many good, like, sorry, I'm, I'm using the quote marks. How many good, like <laughs> rock bands have we seen that get stuck only playing with hardcore bands because they can never break out of like their initial genre. I agree, dude. Right. And it's just like unfair. Like we've seen so many good so bands unfair. that should have just been like loved by the world and they're stuck playing I know. With like, you know. It's crazy how hardcore is supposed to be the most open-minded thing, but it could be the most closed-minded thing. Well, I I find it almost, it, yeah, it's <laughs> weird because it's almost like it's more closed-minded by the outside world because like if you're in hardcore, like you like tons of different sounding bands. Totally. But it's the outside world who doesn't want to let you, doesn't give you that pass to come into it. Mm. So 
when I started making Cold Cave, I didn't put my name on it. Okay. Just no credits. Just sold them to people who already knew who I was. I had non-hardcore labels released like the first seven inches and 12 inches and just stayed out of the picture, you know? Yeah. And then once it caught on, I was like, yeah, this is my band. But I waited till, I waited a while, you know? Because I didn't want, I didn't want to be like in this like one man, like synth noise (laughs) industrial band playing with like Bane or something, you know? It just wouldn't have made sense, you know? You just made me think about how cool it was back in the day when Ian McKay did the the songs with Ministry, the Palehead. So that sick. Was so sick. Nobody was doing shit back then no, like that. No, that was incredible. And that's coming from yeah. Ian to Ministry, like two opposite worlds. Like Oh, the most opposite, yeah. And that, that but there's so a common crazy. bond, you know? There is, and I think that, that was amazing for back then because nobody was doing that. It's true, like you, you had like just like hardcore or just like this, but you can't bring other influences into your hardcore band if they're poppy or they're melodic or they're from some other genre. It has to be this. But then if you start a new band, you can you know, express your other influences just in this section. But it's crazy now when I think about Turnstile and how they have pop, punk, everything combined, 311 vibes and like all the different kids coming to their shows. It's so beautiful to me, man. Because they're hardcore kids. Do you right. know what I'm saying? It's like, and they have such, I went and saw them a couple weeks ago at 2,500 people at fucking the Novo. And it was like all diverse, different ages, skaters, punks, hip hop. It was so cool. Right. But for us growing up, it's like, that's almost like a, you have to like, just in the hardcore, if you want to do something else. Yeah. You said it's hard to go into that world unless you totally like, don't even put your name on it in a yeah. sense, you know, it's like, there's a lot of people that have done that. Yeah. Yeah. I think some, out. sometimes you just have to start over at ground zero and, um, you know, just create a new life for yourself. AFI, Black Audio, same mm-hmm. type of thing in a sense. Right. Like a different project. Yeah. It's still him, but it's an also, it's like a different sound. And I, I love that. I always like when people change it up and not just stick to one thing. Um, even just, even hardcore bands who make the same record over and over again. I like when a band changes up, maybe add some more melody to it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's important to, to try, you know? Yeah. Because it's like, you want to you, you want to please the fans or the people that love you and your following we also you have to be happy too first and foremost to express yourself yeah and, and it's never you know not fake it yeah it, it's never what it is when you try to recreate what you did the first time it just doesn't you happen can. you can't you know yeah. there's something special about if you're still existing years later there was something special about that moment that made you first exist it's hard to recreate that you know you can reference it but then you're just a referential band you know yeah it's weird it's a it, but i understand why why people try to do that too you know because you don't want to let down the people who care about you 100 percent. you know it's also as you get older there's a like you have livelihood enwrapped in it and yeah. you know you have to just work yeah so, or or quit you know but, yeah because um, you couldn't make like an american nightmare record that sound like okay people are like what you know what i mean you couldn't call it that or people who know maybe now in this this year maybe but back then for sure back now. then for sure now yeah but definitely shout out to palehead dude that's mm. fucking cr- i was just thinking about that it's yeah like, that was so out of left field i was like oh, and i loved it it was so good yeah and Fuck. you know and growing up i lo- you must have loved that the palehead. yeah i mean i I, the, but all those ba- people involved with that were just so uh, part of my part of my youth. You know, I lo- yeah. loved ministry. I loved Minor Threat, Minor Threat yeah. Embrace, and you know, were you were uh, you part of the youth? <clears throat> were you a straight edge kid growing up? Yeah, I awesome. have the, I have the tattoo. Yeah. Oh, you do? Yeah. We got some fists with X or something. Some X's. Sick. Yeah. So that was part of your life as a young age, or 
Yeah, for sure. For sure. Yeah. yeah. I mean, all through high school, I didn't, you know, do anything like that. It's awesome. I mean, yeah. that, those, that's part of the hardest years too. That's the first time I ever felt peer pressure for not doing anything too was the high school years. After that, you get in the real world, it's almost. Yeah, right. Yeah. I, I don't know. And then you really find out who your friends are, who, who give a fuck about you, whether you going to the keg parties or not or hanging out or not you know you find your i think i already crew. yeah and i think i felt i had so little in common with people that i was looking for even less in common you yeah, know yeah, yeah. like that's sort of my uh thing is to retreat from what's going on you know <laughs> yeah i don't know why just you always been like that yeah yeah whenever i'm skeptical of the masses no matter what it is i don't i don't care yeah. i don't care if it's a good cause or a bad cause i'm just like i'm out you know <laughs> yeah was your sister involved in music? She she was involved in music too, or no? No, totally different. No, she uh, she has good taste in music, but yeah. she's not a musician. She's a she lives uh, in Oregon, outside of Portland. She's a winemaker. Oh, nice. Yeah, that's yeah. cool. Yeah, that's her life. It's totally different. Yeah, but yeah. she's came and see you play. Probably she's seen you play. Before. She sees me play all, with every band all the time. You know, yeah. she's like ridden on tours before in Europe. She was living in Germany making wine when Some Girls was a band. She wrote with us for a bit. You that's know. awesome yeah man. yeah so stuttgart that's crazy there's some good shows out in stuttgart man yeah i yeah. remember it was military based now we now we've been talking about it yeah yeah i mean it was you know i'd often lunch period of school bail walk off the base walk like you know a mile or whatever maybe two miles to the train station ride it downtown go record shopping you know yeah. cd shopping yeah was that a crazy culture shock moving there for you, you i moved there from um yeah, so I was in Virginia Beach, California. Then I moved to Florida to Jacksonville wow. for like middle school. Wow. Then I was in uh, Car- Carlisle, Pennsylvania for Jeez. one year, and then went to Germany from there. But uh, you know, every move is equally shitty, basically. Yeah, it's you know, crazy you moved yeah. like fucking over ten times more than that. Holy shit! Yeah, yeah. So I moved all the time. Yeah. And Damn, Jacksonville. Woo. I lived on the military base on the beach. So oh, okay, that's kind of I lived cool, on then. the beach. Yeah, it wasn't okay. that bad. I s- <laughs> skated, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Surf, skated, you know. And so I just saw you guys. I just saw you guys have a show. It's announced to a placebo, right? Yeah, Cole Cave plays. That's uh, in September. At the Greek, September 10th. That's awesome, man. Is that the first show in a while for you guys? You guys played during this? We did. Years? We did. In September and August, we played the Wiltern and okay. uh, Webster Hall, and oh, shit, that was cool. it. And then I have some festivals in May. Uh, it's called Cruel World Fest, you know. Okay. It's like Bauhaus and wow. Morrissey and Blondie. Playing with them? Yeah. Wow, man. Yeah, and then I think the day before that, it's Cole Cave and Devo in uh, Las Vegas for uh, this Tony Hawk show he's doing. Have you played with Bauhaus before? Never. That must be a dream, man. Yeah. That's, my wife loves them. That's amazing. And Morrissey, too. Yeah, I mean, wow. it's like, you know, the coolest thing about being in Cole Cave for me is getting to play with all these people who have just been. I've listened to my entire life, yeah. you know, and like just to be like picked by these artists to play with, it's just like the most True. rewarding thing, you know, in, in punk and hardcore, it's the same way. Like when you're growing up listening to people and you end up meeting them and a lot yeah. of times they're radical people and you know, yeah, it's, you know, but then to have it, I to still be getting that gift through life of being able to meet like your heroes, totally, essentially. Man. It's, it's cool. I know. You th- yeah. I met yeah. There's some I met that I'm happy I met. Some I wish I never met. You want to stay for a fan sh- for sure. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. But Morrissey would be interesting if you meet in Bauhaus. That's fucking yeah, pretty amazing. Yeah, I saw Morrissey. He was at the Rancid show a couple years ago. I was like, oh shit! Like yeah, he goes to shows he's solo down, too. Down, yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, he's down. I heard he was at a business agnostic front show once out here too. For, for sure, yeah. Um, yeah. So do you? You and your wife? You guys own a bookstore? Yeah. What's it called? It's called the Daily Planet. So okay. it's on Franklin Avenue in Hollywood. Okay. Um, 
right across there's a coffee shop next door called the bourgeois pig and across from it is a celebrity scientology center okay so it's a wild corner you know <laughs> um but she, you know it's been there since 93 she started working there as like a part-time job and when she was at ucla and like early 2000s and then uh like 12 or 13 years ago bought it from the owner he okay. wanted to sell it and she took it over and it's awesome it's rad you know it's i had a bookstore in philly for a minute too so okay. it was um like a i took over some stores uh friends like pop-up lease so i had it for like nine months and, that's uh, awesome yeah so it's just you know actually when i moved to la i unloaded a bunch of uh my books at this like used bookstore it's on the same block as our new bookstore okay and when I met my now partner, when I went to her apartment for the first time, first time she had a bunch of my books oh, wow. on her shelf that she picked up from the store. That's fun. That's yeah. amazing. Yeah. And she's in the band too? <clears throat> she's in the band too. And she's my partner. Yeah. And what does she play in the band? She plays synth, gu- okay. uh, bass, guitar, sings. That's awesome. Man. Yeah. Yeah. Then the whole fam goes on tour. Whole fam goes on tour. Wow. And yeah. Are you at the bookstore too? Are you, are you there that much or no? I go, you know, I help out in the back because we do our mail order from there. Yeah. So, you know, it's, I put out my own records and all my books myself. So it's, I don't have any middle people. So you have your own label. Yeah. What's it called? Heartworm Press. Okay. Yeah. So I don't have middle people in my life. I don't have. Super DIY. Super DIY. I love that, man. You know, we sent out like, in the, I've sent out um, the last year and a half, 20,000 packages. Holy shit. Just from this tiny office, you know? Damn, it's, it's I love my, that man. It's my job, you know. Yeah, yeah. I do the merch at my house. I yeah. Pack it, ship it, go to the post. I love it, man. I don't yeah, know. I love it too. I mean, I my first job ever in life was uh, ninth grade on the base in Germany. I got hired. If you were a kid, you could work a summer job okay. on the base. So I worked. I got put in the mailroom. Okay. The post office, right? So I'm just sitting there with headphones on throwing throwing mail in boxes i'm still doing it to this day you know yeah i like it i liked it you just put music on get lost in it i like seeing the same people ordering stuff for the past like 10 12 years it's cool cool, you know yeah i I like it i worked at roadrunner in the mailroom too for a while it was pretty cool it's something cathartic about it you know i like manual label i like i like being working class i like doing stuff you know yeah so i I like it and then uh, do you answer like the 24-hour um, online support people have complaints or emails. Do you answer those too? <laughs> I do that shit all day. Sometimes, yeah. I mean, I, I kind of try to. I get too angry, yeah. so I try to. I have other people help with that. Okay, but yeah. um, you know, because they're just DM me. They they know I make it and I design. I sell it. So they're like, hey, where's my stuff? And then I did an email the other day because I had a bobblehead that's been like four months. Everything's backed up in China, so I sent it. Send out all these emails yeah. from me directly. Hey, sorry. And everybody, everybody totally understands the pandemic. Slow things down. Oh, dude. Yeah. I mean, I kept I kept getting those like updates for the Discord 7-inch yeah. box. And I was just felt so... I can't imagine the emails these people are... Oh, like, that's right. It took a year or something almost? Two, I think. Oh, my I think God. I ordered it like day one pandemic. I see everybody posted it, but I heard he yeah. was... I got yeah, it finally showed up, but like it was sending emails. I heard letting people know and stuff. Yeah, but when you get those emails, you're just like, "Fuck!" I bet these people are getting so many emails to have to send this email, you know? Wow. Because and like you know, for what I do, it's uh, there's different crowds ordering it, so it's like American Nightmare people yeah. are like the rudest, <laughs> you know, most aggressive. Like, and then Kolke people are like ultimately very kind and, and the, the book people are just weirdo kind like it's it's, yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. it's cool you know but if it's Our like cool a, kids have no patience yeah no no 
But it's, I remember back in the day ordering shit from Maxim Rock Row. It took like a month. That was pre-internet, though. Yeah, I mean, I first started ordering stuff when I was living in Germany, so it was just like, oh, dude, who knows? You know, it, you know, I, I was I used to order stuff all the time, and never even showed up, and it was just like whatever. Yeah, you know? and and people listening too, like over the past year or so, you, you can't ship to New Zealand or Australia for a second. It was shut down for a minute. So I got fucked on that because you, so you could, but you it had to be like UPS or, or DHL Express. or Express. Something, yeah, you're right. Right. You're right. So I had always pre-orders for this Cole K record from Australia from in New Zealand before it shut down. Right. Okay. So they paid whatever the normal price was, 20 bucks or something. They say, yo, you owe me more money, right? <laughs> Dude, I just paid out of pocket. That's I just, nice of you, man. Just 50, 60 bucks, every package, just gone, you know? See that? That's very nice of you, man. Yeah, but that's what you can do. You can make these choices when you do your own label, you I know? know? I felt bad. These people are stuck here. There's nothing coming in. This person ordered this record six months ago. It's here. I'm not going to be like, give me 20 more bucks, you know? Yeah, that's really awesome yeah. you did that. Yeah. I people, yeah, people send stuff back to me and they say, I don't care if you send it back for more money. They just wanted to have it, but... That was pretty. That was pretty crazy, man. It's yeah, weird, weird, yeah. So it's good that you you pretty much, you're your own boss. You do what you love. You make music. Mm-hmm. You and your partners. You're in the band, bookstore. It's awesome. Yeah, in a way, I'm doing exactly awesome. what I want to do. You know. Yeah. And the best thing is not having to answer to anyone. That's what I love it too. Like I just do this podcast by myself. Upload it to my friend. I do my merch. I stay in my lane. I, I do. I, I love it. I'm, I'm very lucky to do that. And then yeah. we'll play shows. Now we can pick and choose when we go on tour or different yeah. festivals. For a second, is that's all we did? Six weeks, eight weeks. Yeah. You know. And yeah. Like, now you get to do what you actually want to do. Yeah. And then, uh, I think that's like sort of the glorious, beautiful thing about growing up in punk and yes. hardcore is that you you know that it's possible to create a life for yourself. You know. Totally. And then. And when, make records and all that stuff. Yeah, like, and still do what you wanted to do. When you watch all those Discord things about Ian and those guys putting the stuff together for the uh, the seven inches, do it, gluing them, yeah, doing all that sure. stuff, and like if they did it and still do it, and I love everything that they put out, I'm like, it's totally possible. That's that is beautiful about punk for sure. Man. It is because I, you know, the count anybody. I get to see being in Cold Cave. You know, we often end up touring with these people in these bands who don't have that background. Yeah. And it's just like, Oh my God, you everyone's, everyone's such a bitch, you know, like, <laughs> and just like concerned with the wrong stuff. I and know. like, Wait about sound scan and all these, different and just things. like you guys, like it just doesn't, it's not real. You know, it's yeah. not real. It's not real. Remember sound scan and all that shit. Back that then? was, yeah. First I mean, week sales. I remember. Yeah. People like <laughs> forging numbers. It shows having like the janitor of the club sign off on it, you know, just yeah. like, just you know damn what a racket no it's like such extra stress all that worry about stupid shit like that and for what you know it's like it's funny because i remember people doing that and it's just like ultimately none of that mattered and everyone sort of ends up at the same place if you're you know if you're still like playing in a band you all kind of end up in the same place anyway yeah it's just it's it's funny you know you guys aren't independent your whole (laughs) every band yeah basically i know the last american nightmare record was through like rise bmg but, okay. it, but it was a so, one-off and you know we we had talked to different independents about doing it but basically decided we would just go with the label that gave us the most money yeah. <laughs> <You know>? <laughs> <laughs> like, because it was all a fucking scam anyway it was know? yeah. So, yeah that's pretty sick to most independents yeah yeah i mean yeah i mean sure. rise is like a sub sub subsidiary as they call it of a major yeah it's like an imprint or something so it's not yeah. officially ama- yeah it's not like i didn't you know when you get the contract it's just bmg you know yeah but uh yeah. Nobody cared, right? 
Remember back in the day, it was like, what label you're on? Oh, they don't even care about the record, but if you're on a major label, you're a sell. Dude, we got yeah, so I mean, much shit back then, bro. So many martyrs for commercials and major labels, and it just doesn't matter now, you know? know. It's like these so many poor, poor musicians had to uh, basically forfeit their careers due to negative feedback for something that doesn't even matter now, so you know? true. You know? Remember when the message boards came in, they fucking ruined so many, dude. All that stuff. Is bound to be ruined, I guess. It's crazy. Like, yeah, I mean, people hate us for our major label record. Then now people, 20 years later, they ask us to play it, why we don't play it, or some of the songs they love it. But back then, it was cool to hate it. It's just such a different time, man. Oh, that's right. I forgot that. So, yeah, that was unheard <laughs> of when you did that, you know? Yeah, well, I saw that, like, Boy, you know, sick Sib, of it all. Sib was on a major for a second. Sick of it all, yeah. yeah. East West. Yeah. Orange Nine. Our friend, or, or Quicksand. Just a little, well, they were. It, 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 it was that time, you know? Yeah, it's funny because it's. Uh, people are being critical of it, but all the sort of like stalwarts of the, of that world were, you know, yeah. all like the legendary bands that kind of succeeded in terms of having listeners around the world. They, yeah. they were, you know, people got bummed. We covered a Madonna song. I remember that. Like you can't be a harker band listening to Madonna. I was like, dude, I fucking have a Madonna tattoo. I love Madonna. Crazy. Yeah. I love doing that. I, I love, I always, I don't know. And I always pride ourselves on playing with other bands, you know, that weren't just hardcore. Yeah, you know? for sure. Just yeah. you can't preach to the converted all the time. And yeah, whatever. yeah. I mean, yeah, it was cool. You guys made cool choices. I remember that you did cover Marginal Man, and that was oh, yeah. that was rad. You know, I love Marginal Man. Yeah, yeah. So you, so yeah, you lived outside of DC area, so you probably loved all that stuff too. I didn't really. So my parents moved there after Maine when I graduated high school, so I never lived there. They, oh, okay. You know, my dad still lives there. My mom's in Florida, but uh, did you I, love all the DC stuff though? Oh, for sure. Embrace. I mean, yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah Right to Spring. Is it safe to say that Embrace and Right to Spring? Is the OG emo in a sense? Definitely, yeah. Because people say other bands. I know Mike. All those other bands later on were inspired by that, but Definitely. that Embrace record is just it's in my top top, man. It's just a perfect album, man. Yeah, lyrics, bro. Yeah. everything. Yeah, that and Right to Spring are just like the greatest. I got to see Right to Spring and Embrace wow. not together. One was with Beef Eater, and the other one was some other show. But yeah, I was very lucky for that. Um, wow. Did you like uh, Scream and stuff like that? Those bands, Government Issue, or I love GI. Yeah, uh, GI. Scream, I didn't connect with. Until later in life, Soul Side, same thing. Swiss. Yeah, yeah, Soul Side, Girls Against Boys. Yeah, you know. Oh, Girls Against Boys. That's yeah. right. Jawbox. Yeah. yeah, I love Jawbox. Yeah. Damn. Yeah. What about New York Harker stuff for you? The greatest. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. 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 Because you weren't officially from Boston, so you couldn't. Yeah, you could. Yeah. Like I got, you know, when I was still living in Germany, I have had New York, New York. Harker we said your Terry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I had, was listening to like AF and Madball still in, before I moved to the states. Nice. You know. And then I got to see... You liked the really hard shit, too. I did, yeah. Yeah. The yeah. more, like, harder, tougher, like, aggressive shit. Yeah. I saw Madball shortly after moving back to the States. Oh, you did? In Portland, yeah. So that was, like, in the 90s, something, maybe? 90, no? 95, 96. Damn, that was yeah. an ill time. Yeah, it was, like, right before Demonstrating My Style came out. Fuck. I have a picture of me on stage, actually, with, with, with Freddie. I need to see that. I'm, like, 16 in it. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, that's that was just a different time. Just fucking man. Just I different. loved it. It was just I remember. I like the scary vibes back then, the energy yeah. and the yeah something about that time about it was just exciting and then, you know and then like you know I think the the dynamic of it being so terrifying, but then like the people <laughs> people being so cool. Yeah, it was just like what is this strange world, you know? And like it was the first time I felt uh, a kinship with other people, and everyone was just from a different different place in the world but like equally they're fucked up yeah for a similar reason and it was just you know those became my friends and that was, that was my scene and i felt 
no one like there was no one there from my high school you know i was yeah. going i was going all these things by myself but these are the people you end up staying in touch with and then you know it's like once you're in high school and you get into this you, all everything becomes irrelevant in this little world yeah. because it's like you guys are talking about the prom i was in yeah. i was in uh, dc for the weekend seeing this band you know yeah, it's like totally. you know it's like it's a joke and I, know. and I needed life to become i needed that sort of life to become a joke to feel better you know yeah it's such a beautiful thing hardcore like as much as it has people say so many negative things about it or the violence or this and that but it really saved a lot of people's lives and brought so many people together. And it's still so special. As much as people say, Hardcore's big and it's huge and all that stuff, it's still a very underground place, I feel like. At least in our hearts, maybe. I don't know. Back then, it was just so... It was To escape your home life and everything, as you go to this place, it looks so scary. It looks so violent, but everybody looked out for each other. Yeah, there was some violence. Yeah, there was some crazy people, but it yeah, was just... I don't know. It's, you know, I'm not... Such a dysfunctional kind of family. And stuff. Yeah, and it... In a way, it still feels very small. Like you know, yeah. I know, like you know, I don't, I don't go to to shows often. I just kind of go see bands, the, the few bands that I love. Yeah. But when I'm playing America Nightmare shows and I look out into the crowd, I feel like I recognize fifty or sixty percent of the room. Yeah. You know, no matter no matter where I am, so yeah. it does feel small in that regard. You know. Yeah. It's weird like that, and then you know, also because it is a type of music and it is a scene, so therefore it's going to be fleeting people come and go but you sort of end up meeting every single person who sticks around yeah because it, it, it thins and then yeah, there's true. people still around and then you know the different waves of it too yeah and it's not even like a real like at this point there's really not like a, a real particular sound for hardcore it's changed right. so much over the so many years yeah right harder Constant softer more melodic metaler all that stuff it's just yeah. the mentality you know what i mean I yeah feel like we're we're big hardcore kids in a sense inside. You know what I mean? All the stuff, the values and the morals that we got from that and just how we live our lives. For sure, you know what I mean? Just, it's not really, it's not a look at all. It's just how we really. Yeah. Know. And like, you know, Cold Cave's not a hardcore band, but I, I run it like I'm doing a punk label. You yeah. know, it's like, and that's what works for me. And yeah. I've tried working with labels that don't come from that background. And it, it just feels off. It feels strange, you know? Yeah. Cause you, it's crazy. Like we've had managers and booking agents and different labels, but yeah. nobody gets it done better than you get it. Cause you're the most passionate about it. And this, this is your life and you put everything into it. So like having that control, not being a control freak, but only people really going to get things done is you for your own stuff. You know, for sure. and having that control and running shit. It, yeah. Know, it feels good. And if someone's going to, burn it to the ground and ruin it. Like I want to do it. You know, <laughs> you know, I don't need, I don't need someone else to do it. I can do that. You know? No, for sure. Um, do you have any, um, major regrets in your life? <laughs> it's always a tricky question. Some people say no, they lived through all their experiences and that made them who they are today. Stuff like that. But nothing really for you. You don't seem like a person that has a lot of regrets. I don't think so. You know, I sort of, uh, I'm good. You know, I, <laughs> I'm good. I just, yeah, I keep moving. You know, I, because yeah. I grew up moving all the time, I'm always moving and I'm always looking forward. Maybe if I had a regret, it would be, uh, I don't appreciate the present as much as I should. You know, mm. I wish I was more, uh, I like that. I wish I was more present. You know, I'm, I'm more, uh, I'm always living a year or two years ahead. I'm, you know, wow. Yeah. Yeah. So I um, love that. And then nobody's you, ever said that. It's cool. Yeah. That's a hard thing to do. You know? Yeah. I think that comes with age. I'm hoping I get it sometime. You know, there's things that I would like to s devote more time to like, uh, like for example, you know, I, my, we live in this little cottage up Beechwood and, uh, we have this little house and, uh, yeah, I have a beautiful garden that my wife tends to, I can look at it, appreciate the beauty, but I don't have the patience to help 
you know? Mm. And there's things like that I would like to be more present and be able to sort of concentrate on one thing. I can do it with writing, but it comes yeah. in, it comes in waves, you know? And there's other times I'm just a manic psychopath and I can't, <laughs> I can't yeah. concentrate at all. I'm just, you know, yeah. and I think like not having tour, like, you know, when you're in a full-time touring band, yes. it's like, you don't have time to be in the present. Cause you're just like, I'm getting ready for the tour. It's in three months. It's in one month, you know? And then like there's one after that. And like, that's I true, man. I don't care about this tour. I'm about to go on because there's another one right after it. And it's just like, I want to stop and uh, smell the roses. I want to But now we had to stop for two years. So has that changed for you? Like the COVID changes? It's like, unfortunately, I'm in a way it did, but I feel like I'm coming to that as the world's coming back. You know, it took me two years to to, to recognize that I've yeah. been just so manic. And then I need to, <laughs> I need to, uh, it's now that the world's coming back, I'm retreating. Like during the during mm. COVID shutdown, like I refused to be shut down. I was out every day, running around, running errands, going to the stores. I didn't care, you know. But now that it's shut down, I'm I mean, now that it's not shut down, I'm shutting down. Yeah. You know, and then it's like, you know, I, I, I lost a close friend last week and uh I think I regret Sorry about that. Thanks. I saw you that day actually, yeah. I saw you that day and I wasn't yeah. gonna I was it was that was a bizarre it was a nice, it was nice to see you that day actually because I uh, it was cool to be around cool people. I I got out of I was getting ready to go. I got out of the shower. Just text from Randy and he said, "Sorry about uh, Mark Lanigan's passing." Mm. I was like, "What?" Like I just talked to this what like you know. Anyway, Mark Morton, who plays guitar for Lamb of God, he yeah. he played guitar in some of my friend Mark's last record. Oh, wow, so I was okay. actually thinking about him. It would be nice to meet this person. You know, they, him and my friend made this great music together and that's how I met him. Was that was day, right? Day, which wow. was, which was actually nice to be around uh, music that day and, yeah, and people who had worked with my friend. And um, I regret not, um, I went to Ireland this week to, uh, yeah, I was gonna ask you about that. Help out with, uh, you know, just to pay my respects and to, to help to help out because you know it was so far away and there wasn't a lot of friends who could get there. Because so that's where the funeral was. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah, wow, okay, okay. Yeah, so um, I went there for that, and then it, it's crazy because I woke up a morning, bought a flight, went to the airport that day, and went. I hadn't planned on going, and then I, I get there. How soon after I saw you? Like not that couple of days ago. Yeah, so there wasn't, I wasn't sure. Okay. It was kind of a, it was the Sunday. I think I saw you on okay. a th- Thursday or Friday okay. or something. And then, uh, yes, yeah, Sunday I woke up, talked talk to someone over there, and then bought a ticket and went straight to LAX and ended up in Ireland the next day. Wow. And, um, you know, I, I got there and I see my friend and uh, I had regret for not, I was like, I was able to get here in a day but it took someone passing to do it. Mm. Whereas like, you know, we've been talking about me maybe coming there like for a few months ago. Yeah. And it's just like, I was like, yeah, well, maybe this time. And got you. it's like, you know, you, when something tragic happens, you just show up and you get it done. Yeah. It's like, I hate that. I needed that, uh, to make that happen. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You know, so that, I that's, got you. that's a re- recent regret, I guess, mm. you know, but, but yeah, fuck. that's life. That's yeah. You know, so if you, being home for like, two, well, you said you're going out all the time, but, it's crazy when you get to be home with your partner or your wife after traveling so much and then you get like just that home life, especially your kids six and just being there and being like in the mix and not like all of a sudden everything you've done just stops and you don't know when it's going to happen again. That, that was really yeah. tripped out for a second. I was on tour when it happened too. Okay. So American Nightmare was on tour. Our last show was, we got through the tour except for our last show was March 15th at the Fonda 
And um, wow. it, it was the first show the Fonda canceled. And okay. we were like two days away from doing it. We had done, um, Damn. like it got dark. Like that week leading up to that, you know, we just started seeing the shows just like fall off. Yeah. Like Seattle, San Francisco, like it started getting weird, you know? Yeah. And um, so I'm like on tour. I've been like, yeah fucking getting ready for the tour like working out every day like yeah. running like maniac and then i have all this pent-up energy that just sort of like a devolves into nothing you know yeah damn yeah so it took me a while to calm down yeah from that first thing that happened in that is another friend of mine uh who is another mentor of sorts person genesis Piorge, passed away jesus shortly after like days after being home Wow. So I was dealing with that. I just I was just with them in February when I was in New York on yeah. that same tour. That was out of the blue. Spent <laughs> put some books together, stayed busy as I could, you know, and you know, I don't know, still doing it now. Yeah. You know. Is training a big do you train a lot? Do you run a lot and work out? I do. Is that like a daily thing for you? Usually, yeah. I have to focus somewhere, you know. Yeah. And like I have otherwise I use my mood rises and falls a lot. Yeah. I don't take medicine for it. I've yeah. been told several times from people I should. I, I generally find that if I do that in the morning, I'm typically a better person. Like, yeah, just running, you mean, right, too? Yeah, running. How far do you run usually? <clears throat> I'm going to get back into it. I still love running, dude. Just well, not that much. It's more like I'll just like sprint for a mile. Sick. That's you know, too. something yeah, like that. And then I'll ride the bike and, you know, I'm inside doing it. So it's, you know, mm. yeah. I mean, over the last two years, I have Yeah, yeah, you yeah. Know, you know. So that's, some, that's definitely balanced too. You need it. I just, you know. Do you feel like diet and exercise and everything, you really don't need to be on medication for certain certain things? Not saying you're a doctor, but some, it's, it's about your diet also and exercise. It helps. I think it's a big part of it. Yeah. You know? I don't know if, if people it's, don't talk about so much. It's like, there's probably things it doesn't touch, but, uh, generally speaking, it's for sure. It's for you personally, for probably. me personally, it's a huge help. You know, I need, were you on stuff for a while to try to balance everything or never? No, I mean, wow, there okay. a couple of times I tried things and then bailed after a week, you know, yeah. so I don't, I'm not into this. It makes me feel like crazy side effect, all kinds of shit. Yeah. Right? And everyone's yeah. just, just, just wait, it'll be better. And I don't have the patience to wait, you know, I'm just, yeah. I don't, you know, yeah. Which is like why you're on it to begin with, you know? Mm-hmm. But, uh, but yeah, the exercise, the diet, all that shit, mental, physical, I think that all balances, man. Yeah. And just, you know, yeah, you got to take care of yourself. Yeah. Uh, no one else is going to, you know? It's going to be interesting to go back on tour and like play more than fucking one show here and there and get your cardio back up, your stage, just all that stuff that you didn't realize that you didn't even have. When you're on tour, you just stay in the shape, you know? And then we have to go back on tour after two years. It's gonna be crazy. We have like twenty-two shows in a row this summer in Europe. Man. Wow! Yeah, that's heavy. That's heavy. Oh, man, like I'm excited. But I'm like, is it? But and then also from the from the pandemic, I'm like, I'm not gonna stress about shit. I have no control over anymore. It does not help me. So yeah, I see a tour in July. I'm not gonna think about. it. I'm gonna do my pod, stay in my lane. If it happens, amazing. When I buy those flights, amazing. But I can't count on shit like that anymore. You know? Unfortunately, no. But yeah, that's a good way to look at it. It's just. You get the insurance. Maybe, <laughs> yeah. it, maybe it happens. Maybe it doesn't. You know? I know, but yeah. I just miss. I think that my friend Derek's on tour with Separatora now, and he's. I saw footage of them playing their first shows in two years, and he said he feel like a brand new. Just walking on stage and playing, like we're missing something from us, even if we don't feel it. It's what it's, we do. I know. You know, there's something inside that's like fucking. I love my family. I love being home. I love being able to do what I love. But that's just something that I need. Yeah, I need it too. 
you, you know what I mean? It fulfills us. It sounds cheesy, but it's like yeah. And I don't think it's narcissistic either. I think it's no. just it's what we do. It's a release. It's it's like you know you need. It's therapeutic. We've been talking about it's it. How you? It's a one way we communicate. I know. You know. And this getting shit out. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mentally, yeah. physically, and it was crazy. Well, I forgot the word that we used during the pandemic. Like, uh, what's the word they were using? Like, you have this is important. This like these these have to continue to stay open because they're important. Oh, uh, um, the word essential. Essential. I feel yeah. like music was essential. Music saves lives and helps people. Yeah, that was I'm not a- saying we shouldn't went to live shows during the pandemic, but like music was at the bottom of the totem pole the whole time. It's another, I was like, not scam, being selfish. Yeah. Like, what about the musicians? Like, they go out there and help so many people. Now he's gonna write a note how he wants to borrow my credit card right now. And go to the store. Um, but you know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> yeah, it was music- the first first to get cut off, last to open. Of course, you know. Yeah, that's what we get. It was scary, man. Like, yeah. just like. Um, and then like you know it's just it's what if everything's just so like i know it's i'm not you know i know it's a severe thing but it's just like so like all of a sudden just gone you know it's just like as, a, as of last week like there's a fucking world war and like the covid's gone like no one's mentioned like I, I watch the i watch every news station for a minute I, okay i do that are you obsessed with the news yeah i go through bad phases you know ah. and then uh but all of a sudden it's just gone. You yeah. Know? And it's like, no one's even mentioned, not even like, yeah, this, this, this shit is happening over there. Also, this is like, what's going on with this now? It's just gone. That doesn't happen. In like in like two seconds. Just gone. I know, man. And the CDC came out two weeks ago. I don't want to get into the politics shit, but yeah, yeah. the CDC came out and they said, you don't have to wear a mask anymore unless you want to. Whatever makes you feel safe. Yeah. After two years, it's just fucking it's gone. Yeah. I mean, I'm stoked it's gone. For like sure, the, the war sucks yeah. and all that. Sh- it's just one thing. I just yeah, it's like what's next. You know? So you want you you were heavily watching the news during the whole two years, or is that something you? Yeah, that probably fucks with you too. It fucks news. with you. Yeah, yeah. Well, it was weird too because you know, I had to monitor our store. You know, mm-hmm. it's like all of a sudden yes. I'm like a bouncer again. Yeah, you know, and so like that baseball bat. Yeah, I had a hammer this time. Damn. Yeah, and I had to had to bounce someone with it. Wow. As, as someone tried to rob me. Holy shit. And I showed them the hammer and it didn't work. Um, but, wow, uh, dude. You know, it, and all of a sudden, I'm, you know, I'm 42, all of a sudden acting like I'm 18, putting a hammer to someone's head, you know, just, just, to, just to keep what's mine. And then, uh, but it was just, you know, Hollywood sort of exploded it into did. like, not, not like a, for, no, for no political, like revolutionary reason, just like people taking advantage of the situation. Sure. And all of a sudden, there's just like, junkies coming in trying to take your stuff you know and mm-hmm. it's just like not having it you know wow, no way dude. so that was like i don't consider that me going back to work but basically when stuff opened i was at the store manning it because yeah. it was just it was too sketchy you know wow man you know i was moving bookshelves in the night putting them in front of windows windows getting broken you know wow man it's just what it was wasn't scary about like almost losing <clears throat> your spot during the thing too like, was there thoughts of losing your bookstore during the pandemic? For sure. For sure, yeah. For sure. And Not like, just to violence, whatever, just in general, yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Fuck, man. Yeah, it was, you know, everything you work for, it's, you know. Yeah. And, you know, we work for it for out of love, you know. it's Totally. Not, uh, you know, you, yeah. don't, you don't want to lose what you love. Um, this is an interesting question. I'm, I'm so curious about this answer. Are you consider yourself optimist or pessimist? I'm in the middle, you know. Yeah, are you a realist? I'm a realist. That's what my wife is. She's a realist. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm, <laughs> I, I, I can't really like locate myself in either circle. You know, yeah. it's just I, I I prepare for the worst at all times. If something cool happens, 
I sort of take the good with a grain of salt and don't let it like, I don't glory. I don't bathe in the glory of anything good. I just sort of like accept it and move on to the next thing. Yeah. This is what I'm saying. I would like to be more present. Like, yeah. you know, it's like if I have a good show, I don't walk off stage being like, that was a great show. I'm just mm. like, all right, what's Are next? you harsh on yourself? Like a really harsh critic about your performance or your music or anything like that? Perhaps, you know, like if, <laughs> if I don't sing well enough to my liking, I'm, I'm upset, but like, I mostly get furious and like when like the, you can't hear yourself and like the sound sucks and yeah. just like you know you want to kill someone in the club and <laughs> yeah, it's always... you know because when it's out of, when it's out of your control yeah when, that's when I get furious you know but the funny thing about that is like we're always so hard I'm harsh on myself too but the crowd doesn't most of the time the crowd doesn't see any of that shit it's no, just all you never, on you never it's crazy yeah yeah you're like you critique yourself and like fuck it's it's hard man yeah it's like you want to do the best you can do Perf- are you a perfectionist. Yes and no. I, I I am. So I spend a lot of time on some things and other things I'll write something in a second and put it out. But yeah. I think over the years, you know, I used to just make songs left and right. It was no big deal. Mm-hmm. Now I just labor over them. And then other times I'll write one in a minute, you know? Yeah. I don't know. It's, it's It doesn't make a lot of sense. It all depends on your vibe that day or how you're feeling, right? It's strictly vibrating. Because I'm not, I don't, you know, I, I think a lot, of, I don't know how you are, a lot of singers they write melodies in their head and they have like, and people build songs underneath them. I've never done that in my life. That's like a crazy <laughs> notion to me. I don't know how people do it. So mm-hmm. I have to make cold cave is more of a labored process for songwriting. I have to make the music first, hope that it, uh, attracts something in the lyrical side of me. And then I hear something that could sing on top of it. Yeah. Often I make music for that band and just doesn't really go anywhere. Cause I'm not inspired enough. Whereas American nightmare it's, it's weird that stuff just falls out of me. Yeah. I could just, if someone was like, here's a studio time, be there on this day, I could come with nothing. I'll leave with the record. That's no big deal. So you could write a whole album right now if, you, if they asked you to. Yeah. Usually. Wow. Yeah. And that's how it's always been with that band. Like I yeah. always went in with nothing. Band would lay down the song. I'd take a tape or CDR to the car, put it in, write real quick, go do vocals Damn. and just do them one by one by one, you know? It's awesome. But I don't know how to write vocals. Yeah. Like that's not, where I'm coming Me from. either. I would just write, my brother would be like, write down what you want to sing about, write a topic, and I write down all these things about it, and then we make it into a structure. Fit it, song. yeah. And then he, they would have the songs and the riffs, and my brother was really good with melodies. Right. And Rusty too, the harmonies and stuff, so they would have these. Like this one, would, be, right. Yeah, so I would just write the lyrics too, but I can't write harmonies. I would just, I'm, I'm just writing what I want to sing about, and then they help me organize it, you know what I mean? Like yeah. It wasn't, I can't write the melodies either. And like, I can't just hear, hear a riff and go, oh, that could that could be this song. I just they'll give me a full song of like a demo and then I can do that. Yeah. It's yeah. interesting. Yeah. Some people can just do that. Like Chad from New Fun Glory, he produced a bunch of records. He's got a crazy ear for melodies right. and just all that, dude. And he just like try this, dude. I hear this. Like really awesome with that kind of stuff. Yeah, it's like some people have it. Yeah, I go about it backwards, you know. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Once it clicks within the song, then I'm good. But it just finding that moment for it to click. Yeah. It takes me a while. You know? Yeah. Do you have any like um, top five inspirations or any kind of inspirations? It could be authors or anything that made you influences in your life that stuck with you. Maybe not stuck with, but as an early age and it continued. I don't know. Yeah, it's always sort of been just building towards. Uh, yeah. Always, you know. I remember like my first records were like The Doors and The Cure and stuff like that, and yeah. that's stuff that I never like abandoned. That it's always been with me, you know. And yeah. It, which was sort of a sort of like I always like for whatever reason, the darker side of pop music. Yeah. You know, I don't know. And then the darker side of hardcore too, probably in a sense, darker shit, right? Yeah. 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 
I don't know. It just there was something that I could relate to that was more realistic about it. You yeah. know, I don't know. That's how I felt. So yeah, it wasn't like. Did you like seven seconds or stuff like that? Or I did. You know, it was funny because I, I told uh, Kevin. No, but uh, Joe Nelson when he did the. Oh yeah, yeah, the re-release. The re-release. Cure. I mean that crew. Record. The crew. Yeah, I had a in like seventh grade. Maybe, yeah, seventh grade. I had a dub cassette of the crew. Oh wow! But it had no writing on it. So for years. I knew this record by heart and didn't know what it was. Wow, who it, it was. Yeah, it wasn't until like 10th, 11th grade that I found it was Seven Seconds to Crew. <laughs> but, but I knew every song on it, you know? That's fucking yeah. awesome. But I loved it. It was just, but there's something like, you know, that first song on that record, there's something, yeah. I mean, I, I'm still obsessed with the 80s to this day. That song is like, it just sort of, I don't know, it just envelopes everything perfect about how I remember growing up. Yeah. Do you listen to a lot of old stuff still like that? Yeah. It's just sort of my go-to. I never like got over the stuff that blew my yeah. mind when I was a kid, you know? Yeah, I get to listen to Minor Thread or like we said, like the Verbal Assault trial record over and over again. It's just perfect. And Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I just, just drive around with that. It was like one of my four tapes in the car. I was wow. stuck in there, a trial. Yeah. It just makes you, it just brings you back and it has, I don't know, it's just the memories. That, you know what I mean? Of that time and just it's formative i know man yeah so yeah verbal assault for sure underrated we're just talking about them now they're playing tomorrow in rhode island first time in 30 years yeah so. i found out about verbal assault from being into belly actually because oh, yeah, he, he tormented them or always in the, the band guitarist or? where they yeah okay came yeah. In, yeah, yeah 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 so i didn't know i mean i went backwards that's what's weird like even with like the first shows i went to i ended up going backwards yeah and then you find out everyone's post hardcore if you, <laughs> that, you know so there's weird. there's no one who's not you know yeah so, so yeah, he wasn't he wasn't Billy, that's right. Yeah. But I think Chris Jones, one of those guys in Bill also came and tour managed them as well. One guy was in the band, mm. another guy came with him. Right. That's right, Billy, that's right. Yeah. That's a pretty big band too. Yeah. Yeah, they did good. I mean, I like I went to see him a couple of years ago, even, you know, yeah. here. And I like, you know, I got into them from knowing about their other band throwing music. Yeah. You know? Oh, throwing music, that's right. It's Providence. I mean Newport, you know. That's right. Yeah. Newport's cool. It is cool. Yeah, it's crazy. We admit, we like lived there almost the same time. Yeah, you you said eighty five, maybe eighty four. Yeah, I, I was there in eighty four. Yeah, yeah, I was, 14, yeah, yeah. I was probably like I was five. You know? Wow. Yeah, yeah. I just left at eighty five and went to freaking Southern Maryland. But yeah, that's so cool. Yeah, Newport was sick. We, I lived there during the America's Cup races, and uh, we used to skate these banks on Thames Street, and it was there weren't chains around, but we used to always skate this area. And um, during the, there was all kinds of tourists there, and we were all skating one day. Me and the Robo Salt guys, and somebody skateboard shot out hit some lady broke her ankle so they banned to try to ban skateboarding right, during the america's cup yeah so me all the verbal assault guys vicious circle positive outlook the whole scene went to city hall we petitioned and mm. we fucking we got it changed yeah it was like a we, freak accident right yeah but i didn't know what's happening and I, I i was going down to, to this to this liquor store to get my mom cigarettes and a cop car pulled up and they asked me to come and get inside and i was like fucking 13 or 14 and they fucking arrested me there was no cell phones and when i got to the police station chris jones was there all the guys were there, all the boards were there right they were just scooping up everybody on skateboards that that's day. wild yeah but we went we fought it and we fucking got the law changed yeah that's wild because there was so much shit going on during that time you know what i mean yeah yeah for sure first beach second beach third beach all that shit yeah that? yeah damn yeah i mean my mother was living in providence a uh, newport sorry i keep confusing him like five six years ago no, oh, really? 10 years ago. Okay. And I was going there and it was one of the few places I was like, I think I live here. I, Still. I think I could. I is love it like, it. It's like, it's, it's quiet during the winter probably too because it's such a beach That's town. That's why I like it. You like it, Yeah, right? I like I like cold beaches in the winter. Like, so you, you know, can live in the winter again? 
I could, you know, if I had like a cool, small, yeah, no neighbor beach house in the middle of nowhere on a beach in the winter, I'd be into it. You know, do you miss the East Coast? Yeah, when I go back, I miss it, and then when I get back here, I don't miss it. I you know, know, you know? <laughs> when I go out through this for the, when I see snow for a couple of days, I'm like, oh, I miss that shit. And then you're out there like, dude, get me the fuck back to California, man. Yeah, you know, I still, I romanticized Boston because it was just such a big part of my life and walking around the city and just, you know, headphones on and just like no cares in the world and like go see a show. It's maybe. not like that anymore, I know. No, I go down, I, now I just go there and I'm just like, you know. Where's all my spots? They don't exist. Same in New York, dude. Yeah, yeah. Everything changes. So we got to be, I think the times that we lived out there was a fucking beautiful time. It's because it was our time and what we were doing and yeah. how the scenes were back then, but yeah, it's never going to be like that, and everything changes, you know? It's like, I would love to go back to the old New York, but... It's not there. It's not there, dude. Yeah. It's so different. Everything's just... It's wild, man. Yeah, I mean, I had... I lived, I moved here from New York 10 years ago, and when I was there, it was just like, you know, I didn't... It wasn't like a thing. I, yeah. I felt it was just like a... And it's easy for people to say, you know, I'm sure there's someone there having the time of their life right now. And that's, yeah. and that's cool. Totally, but, their time, yeah. You know, but it's like, for me, it was just sort of like a, I felt a bit left over and like I had missed it, you know? Yeah. So that was like 2007 to 10 or 11 or something like that. And yeah, you know, I was here recently, it was all young kids and he loved it because he was 19, but I felt so old in the city, man. Right. It's like the new generation of kids and it's a different time. Yeah. California's the best. I never thought I'd live out here, man. Never me neither. Thought. I can't imagine. I mean, I could live somewhere random in Europe, maybe, <laughs> but or like, but like not anywhere else in the states. I don't think. Do you love it here? You know, as much <laughs> as I could love anywhere, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, it's a I'm, I'm like we're building. You know, I have roots here now. Like we're building a house here. Oh, that's awesome, man. Yeah, so I'm gonna stay. You know, um, like during the pandemic yeah we bought a piece of land oh man congrats That's you know awesome. like kind of in our neighborhood and nice. we're just you know it's a couple year process but so you're building a house there now yeah yeah it's nice over there it's cool it's quiet. yeah and like, you know we can walk to the bookstore from there you know it's it's quiet yeah yeah from 4 to 8 a.m it's quiet <laughs> <laughs> oh so what's next for you so that show what's your next show is like what's what's yeah. on the horizon for you i have shows and festivals in may you know i'm playing with bands that i love and grew up listening yeah, to and that's, Bauhaus, it's crazy dude and then um you know i have american nightmares playing f that furnace festival oh you are in september I think. oh that's sick okay yeah and then um that's cool yeah coke plays with placebo that same month yeah you know we mentioned it earlier at uh the greek theater september 10th yeah so I, awesome yeah switching uh personas that month a couple <laughs> times yeah 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 so yeah so diff it's different vibe different energy everything right in a way, yeah. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. I just thought about that. Yeah, it's weird. You go you go off in American Nightmare, like you're all over the place. It's physical. Yeah. Yeah, whereas uh, Colke is much more controlled. You more know? mellow, more chill. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. cool. Yeah, yeah. That's two different vibes, man. Yeah, it's weird. Well, I never expect. I never thought I'd be an adult doing American Nightmare. I didn't want to. Yeah. I didn't think I'd something that would come back in my life or that I would desire to do, and then it just did, you know? Are we really adults or are we just big kids in a sense? Yeah. <laughs> I think I'm an adult. <laughs> okay, I'm yeah. an adult. We're adult because we, yeah. we have kids, we have, we have properties, we pay I, mortgages. I know what you mean, yeah. It's you like I saying? feel no, like, like a kid and I also feel like an adult. I'm, I'm yeah. again, like I can't pick one, you know? <laughs> I don't feel comfortable in either, you know? Yeah. I don't want to be, I don't want to just be this, you know, mm -hmm. it's tough to subscribe to something. Do you feel like you're in a good place in your life now? I think so. Yeah. I think it's, um, you know, I, 
I don't, I'm pretty isolated. Yeah. By choice. By choice. You know, and I think it's, I think it's a good thing. I'm concentrating on working and by working, I mean like making music and writing. Yeah. You know, that's what I want to do. I don't like to go out much. I don't, you know. Yeah. Will you ghost write for people or do stuff like that? No. Okay. No. I've been asked before. Um, I have in the past, but that's like going back 15 years or something. What about soundtracks and stuff like that? Sometimes get asked. It's cool. Yeah. yeah. I think that's a, that's a, that's a whole different world too. Yeah. It's a racket too. It is. You know, I, I just like, I don't, I like not having anyone tell me what to do. No man. I, it's, too, it's too much a part of me. I just can't help it. I just don't like people telling me what I to know. do. You know, it's crazy. People keep telling me I need to film this podcast and they're coming at me from all from every person I know. I'm like, you know what? I like just talking in my kitchen on audio. Yeah. It's like, I get it. If you, if, I don't want to do that. Or if you want to do it, you want to do it yourself. Like the, the thing now is like you're saying, people come out of you nowhere and they're saying, do more work and pay me. Yeah. It's like, what? Why would I do more work yeah. to pay you? Like, that's so the tr- thing, man. It's like, no. I don't even understand life anymore. It's just like, <laughs> you know, yeah. You want me to do more work and pay you. Yeah. It's just like, you know, I don't, I'm not, I'm, I don't, I'm not signed to any record labels because me either actually. No, I'm not actually. Well, and I, it's crazy. And every now and then, you know, someone will approach us about doing something and we'll, we'll talk to him for a minute, but it's just like, I think you don't understand what's going on. Yeah. It's like, once you bail from like that chain, it's like, you can't, you couldn't pay me enough. Yeah. You can't because it's That's like, true it's priceless to not have to answer to you. I know, man. And what you're offering me for like a record I just made last weekend. Yeah. It's exactly. like, you know, yeah. it's not like a, we're very, I mean, we're, I mean, I'm not saying we didn't work hard to where you're at in life, but be quiet kid. Um, we're, we're just lucky we get to do. What we love it's, it's amazing, man. That's the goal. It's so fucking cool. Yeah. Man. And so I think if you're able to do what you love, what you love and find out new ways to bring in new love. Yeah. You know, it's, that's what all you can ask for. Yeah. You know? Well, this is great, man. I'm, I'm, I feel like I know you so well now, just hanging out for a fucking hour and 40 minutes. Yeah, man. it's good to wrap. Yeah, it was yeah. great to have you here. And I know we crossed paths many times throughout our lives. And I don't know, it's, it's good to have you in my kitchen. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, we eat at somewhere restaurants. Uh, yeah. <laughs> We're in the same vegan Illuminati. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, Till death. Oh, how long have you been vegan for, actually? Uh, 14, 15 years. Oh, I was awesome, vegetarian man. before that. And awesome. then, uh, you know, yeah. It's cool, man. Yeah. Your family's like that too? No. Yeah. So I'm I'm vegan, but my, my son, and my, he's never had meat, but my wife and my son are vegan. There's vegetarians. Yeah. Totally oh, and vegan. my family's all vegan. I, oh, thought, okay. I thought you meant like my parents. Oh, no. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, yeah. We're, all, we're all vegan. Like kids. He goes back and forth, but he's never yeah. had meat and stuff. Yeah, my kid never. That's yeah. cool. Yeah, you know. Awesome. Yeah. And that's from hardcore, man. Oh, yeah. for sure. That's from the Smiths, Youth of Today, Earth yeah. Crisis, you know. We're, I'm sorry, Max. Don't have to go, but the Meat is Murder record, Smiths. That's some. That's some. That's like. That's so powerful back then when that came out, man. What a crazy idea it was. I know back you know? then. Yeah, that was crazy. Like 80s, early 80s. I remember that. I remember. Wal- I lived at the Gorilla Biscuits house, and Walter Schreifels played that record. I was like, "Who is this? Never yeah. heard this before." He was so open-minded with the sugar cubes, all that stuff. He's always playing different music. But yeah. I was like, "Meet this murder." What wow. a crazy notion to do that. It's amazing. I know. It's beautiful. And then you th- today, Gorilla Biscuits. Forget about it, bro. Well, there's Both the dr- there's a direct chain. You know, know it's pretty cool. Fuck. You know. That's and hardcore. To this that's, day, exactly. So that's something that instilled in us, and we instilled in our our kids as being parents. It's amazing, man. Yeah, and it just generational and keeps yeah. going. Yeah. Fuck. I feel like I'm gonna have a part two with you someday. I'm down. Okay. All right, master. Yeah. I know you want to take a photo. We have to go do modeling. I have to go. 
Why don't you talk about your neck tan? No, Did you get the spray tan again? No. You got a pretty good spray tan yesterday. Sorry. Blow me spot. <laughs> got to do it sometimes. Yeah. All right, Wes. Thank you so much thanks, for being Toby. here. Thanks, Toby. Yeah, I appreciate it. This is fucking awesome. Right on. Thank you. Thank you. Hey, guys. Thanks for listening. Um, please rate, review, uh, subscribe. If you haven't subscribed yet to this podcast, please do that. And whatever platform you are listening to this on, I'm glad you found me. You can rate me and review me on there also. So thank you guys sincerely for the support. I cannot wait for you guys to hear the next one.